They saw the bitch stop near a Goodwill. <laughs> I'm with Kushtard, the goodest boy of all fucking time. But why was he sand? You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Yes! Yes! Yeah. Oh shit, yes. Oh shit, yes. Sound really good. I want my weed. I'm the right to smoke weed. Bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl. Tell me, sick. I'm being baked. I'm being baked like a cake. We have blunts here. I've never done a blunt. I do one. Wow, I am really high. Get me a bottle of whiskey and a bowl. I smoke some weed today. Oh, yes. We've made it. Oh yeah, you heard it. You heard it right there. That's an amazing story, man. That's cool as fuck. So cool to have you with us for this extra special episode. 200! Thank you, bitch. Thank you so much, everybody, for hanging out. It is... October 25th, 2022, although still August in some dimensions, thank you very much, and you're listening to the Bicentennial episode, episode 200 of Bowl After Bowl. I am Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. And I'm Dame DeLorean. And you're in the bowl for a roll. Kick off your shoes. Your shirt, your coat, your hat, your pants, your socks, all of that. Undies, too. Put them in the cubby. Just set them in the cubby. Find a seat. Relax. Hang out. Got some things to discuss. And wowie zowie. We got some time to uh, reminisce upon the uh, past uh, eight years, if you look at a calendar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was looking at a calendar on accident earlier. And, uh... Oh my god, man. That was a mistake. <laughs> what a, makes you say that? A big fat mistake. Well, you know, I was like... I was trying to find uh, episode one. Uh, kind of morbid curiosity, you know? Oh. Just kind of trying to put myself back in that mindset. And uh saw the old picture, by the way. You remember the old art? Yes, and it was me and you. Me and you on the front. What? In our weird, like, bougie... <laughs> Uh, broke hipster bougie clothes. Like, what that thrift store chic? Sure, 
That didn't start until several episodes in, because I thought you did the first handful of episodes by yourself. I think that's right. And it was just you, and you were not Thrift Store Chic. You were in that gray suit with a blue button-up shirt. Well, that's what we both ended up on in that uh, artwork where yeah. we were on it. Yeah. And you had outer space in the background and some bowling pins floating. It was very busy, very maximalist, very us. Very us. Uh, we still have stickers. We look like with that art on it. We do have stickers? I think maybe yeah. even in this damn drawer. They're definitely down here somewhere. Now I'm rummaging. But yeah, we looked a uh, little. It was ten years ago. Not it ten years like, ago. It was like what? It's about eight. eight. I uh, so I looked on our WordPress and I puked a little bit in my mouth and. Uh, uh. Then I uh, tried to go all the way back to episode one, right? Yes. There's no blog post. Like, if you go to the WordPress oh. and you try to find the oldest episode, uh, 19 is the oldest one that comes up. Oof. Why? I'm not sure. It's probably when I started. But I think <laughs> that uh, they all exist on the bean of pods that we were on uh, for oh, yeah. for just a little while longer. Um, hopefully that changes before the new year changes and rolls over. I've got some plans, working on some shit, but, you know, I could say that till I die. Every and day, working how true on new is, shit. How true is it? I don't even fucking know at this point. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I know what I want. I don't know what I'm going to get. But yeah. uh, luckily, thankfully, our feed has it. So the RSS feed, the source of truth, as we all know, uh, that goes all the way back to, elec- uh, to election edition 001. Mm. And the first episode uh, I ever did was right before the... Uh, Columbia elections in 2014, Ugh. April 6th. That's when it was published. Um, and I think, yeah, I talked with Mark Flackney. Oh, neat. Of Keep Columbia Free at the time. And uh, we talked about a election that was upcoming. So this was published on a Sunday. And the election was Tuesday the 8th. So two days before the election. And uh, yeah, I it looks as though, because I was looking back at some stuff... And I don't think I ever really did an episode that was just me talking into a mic. Thank God. Gotcha. Yeah, that's doesn't really seem like your specialty or interest. Nah, I just wouldn't. You're not a have people been, person. I wouldn't have been good at that. You're Gemini. Hmm. You do the mirroring. You do the bouncing off of other people's ideas thing. Talking to people and such. Yeah, that's where you get your energy from. Um, you were not even on there until the fourth one. Ah, lucky number four. Lorian Rose episode four. Uh, but that came in April 13th, 2014, so it was like right away. Wow. You were just banging them out, huh? So that was within a week, yeah. I published one on April 6th, <laughs> April 8th, <laughs> April 11th, and then wow. April 13th. So I did four the first week. That's a lot which of... obviously wasn't sustainable. How long were these episodes? Though? They were only like 20 to 30 minutes, oh, right? Oh, they were quickies. They were quickies for sure. Yeah. I'm not sure if the feed tells me, oh, there, there isn't a duration. Uh, 5352. Wow. That's for the election for one? For episode one, yeah. Okay. Just under an hour. 3624 for episode two. Mine will be five minutes. Just over <laughs> an hour for episode three. That's uh, a Mike Hagan episode. Oh, a wonderful gentleman and very easy to talk to. And yes, the one with you, that was 3540. <laughs> and it's mostly so you. it was the shortest <laughs> one to date. Um, and I'm sitting there shaking because I'm too scared to talk into a microphone, uh, probably. The description was a, a little bit cringe. Let's uh, see. Uh, a little? Uh, 
I sit down with Lorian Rose. Lorian is my girlfriend and a student at Mizzou School of Journalism. <laughs> talk about her journey from Massachusetts to Missouri, why she chose to be a journalist. Oh, boy. <laughs> the beautiful dream catcher she makes in her spare time and walking naked in the floodplains of the Missouri River. Oh, that's not that cringe. Yeah. Walking naked was a good time. It gets, you know, it's better. Jay's school was pretty cringe, but you went through that too a little Lauren, bit. Lauren, it's my girlfriend. It was like proof of girlfriend. <laughs> proof of girlfriend. <laughs> Guest and girlfriend. Uh, no yeah. one would have me. <laughs> and then I think by the ninth one, it was you and me cool. uh, together, because that was the one about the uh, Missouri Cannabis Conference. Mm. Um, we did a, like a recap of it. Uh, was that in Columbia? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, Were we gathering signatures? I couldn't tell you. I'm not really 100% sure. Now, 10 and 11 were also guest episodes, and then 12 is the one you and I did with Lance. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, and then 13 was with, uh, Aaron. Remember when the puppies were born, like, at the very end of that episode? Oh, yeah. So, by then, we were doing them together for sure. By then, we were doing them together for sure, and they were kind of sporadic, because... That was a... Friendsgiving. Yeah, that was all the way uh, in October. Wow. So much later. Much later that came around. But uh, yeah, I never really imagined like we'd keep doing it. We'd have a format, uh, the live aspect. So much has changed since then that it's kind of uh, insane. And much better. We also, (laughs) uh, sometimes we talk about this, but we had a crazy hiatus after episode 26. Ooh. Uh, 26 came out on March 2015, and uh, we that was right after Tom Schweik died. Oh, and that we, was very... It was an episode with Jacob. Oh my gosh. And then we just kind of went on a wild hiatus, and... Uh, well, can should we mention Tom Schweik died, and we had just met him. Yeah, we literally had met him at... Uh, and... Several months after the Reagan Lincoln days, that mate, what year was this? 2015, you 2015, said? yeah, yeah. So within a year, Jacob died. I think that's right, maybe two. I'm not sure the exact dates, it's all a blur because we just kind of unplugged and pulled out. And then and we moved, well, we moved also, we moved cities, we yeah. moved lifetimes and lives, and it was just a very weird period. Uh, and honestly, I didn't think anyone heard a single one of our episodes, <laughs> except for our guests, yeah. you know, who were like, hey, I did this thing, maybe show a friend. Right. Yeah, like the people that were on it were listening. Yeah. Sort of a situation. Um, but yeah, it turns out, no, wasn't the case. And we came back on June 27th of 2020, right after uh, being guests on Hog Story, John Fletcher and Carolyn Blaney. Hog story. Hog story. I was uh, trying to do the hog inflection <laughs> uh, of that it. Trumpy. It's perfect. That's how it goes. Hog story. It's a very important story. And a uh, very powerful story. Big story. Yeah. They got us back uh, on the, in the saddle, let's say. Uh, and and we still owe and will always owe an uh, enormous debt of gratitude to John and Carolyn. Yeah. We would not be back without them. And that was... That was episode 27. Just hey, 27 Club. 27 Club when we came back and said, nah, maybe we're not dead after all. And it was just, it was being on their show and just having this renewed interest and uh, renewed passion kind of sparked up. Well, when we set up all of our gear, 
Spark one to up. join them on Hog Story, and then once it's set up, I mean that's the biggest hurdle, right? And we looked so. at it, and we're just like, we have all these mics, we have the uh, ability, we're plugged in. Why aren't we using this shit? Like, why is it just sitting down here, collecting dust? That's silly. You know, we should sell it or use it, and uh, much more value in using it. Definitely, much more value in using it. So, uh, back at twenty seven. I want to say that 33 was, yeah, 33 was the first one where Bimrose was like, all right, uh, you can get on the stream. I guess you're good enough. Nice. When he heard us at first, he was like, hmm, I have two suggestions. One, edit your shit at least a little bit. Like, do something. Um, it's decent. We, Remove silences. Yeah, so like shrink the silences just a little bit. Because I, uh, cause I, he said, I listen in... Uh, one and a half speed, and it's still hard to listen to the silence parts. Oof. And uh, he also said, you know, don't smoke weed all throughout the show. Like, don't go in there just, like, blasted. Stony baloney. Uh, to which we said, maybe we make a compromise. <laughs> yeah. And we start the show, and then at some point, uh, it gets passed around, you know, at some point. We keep it behind the curtain. Uh, and that's how that kind of whole thing evolved that's worked out pretty well for us 35 in fact was behind the curtain and i think we talked oh, nice. a little bit about it um we're just gonna smoke back here so like <laughs> we could just keep it back here if you you're know? not patient and you don't like stoners you know just front half a yeah. show then when <laughs> you know that way like people who are listening um by then if you you know if you're still there by the time we go behind the curtain <laughs> then you're committed man you're in you're like uh you're with us right you're back here. That's cool. You're a bowler. It's like it's like our own little filtering mechanism, I guess you could say. Uh, what else? I know that 33, that's the, when we first got on the stream, and that was the show where we both just really went crazy on Origins of 33 and all the meanings and all the kind of... Uh, oh, yeah. Whatever, whatever. All of it. And... Uh, talked about the magic number for a whole episode. Talked about the magic number, and then we, for some reason, we missed by one... The F tie for having a threesome. That was, that was the next show thirty four where the oh. F tie was having a threesome. Goofy. Uh, but yeah, I think we went first live right in the thirties sometime. Yeah. Although I I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think wrecked involved with now might have been it. I remember that uh, we were contemplating not even publishing that uh, one of these. Oh, I don't remember that. And then we ended up saying, you know what. We did it. We did it. Oh, it. no. I think that was Kiss and Make Up. Remember? No. 32 was Kissing <laughs> and Make Up, but 31 was called Growing Pains. Oh. And the ISO board was running the wrong way, so, like, everything was just a mess. Uh, technologically. Yeah. And uh, we still experience Growing Pains, and we still continue to try and improve, and uh, we can't do it without the help of all the bowlers. Definitely appreciate everybody hanging out. Uh Making the show what it is. It's true. They produce the show. That's right. You guys make it happen. We often say it's not just us sitting here in a basement uh, talking into microphones. Because if it was that, you know, it would have never revived. Because um, even just the revival, like we said, was talking with John and Carolyn. And those are two bowlers who re-sparked our, our passion and our interest and, and, and really allowed us to give a shit again. Because we had just stopped caring we had stopped feeling like anything we did really mattered at all 
uh, it was just such a feeling of like powerlessness. And that's kind of how all of this, uh, all these central systems are designed. They're designed to either make you feel powerless if you want to affect change, or they're designed to make you f uh, obedient and complicit if you want to just be a part of the club or be a part of the group. And I never really gave too much of a shit about being a part of the club or group. Same. So that kind of put me in category uh, other, where... Uh, Mood apathetic. Yeah, you're just cut <laughs> off at the knees and, you know. But we decentralized. That was like the very start of it, you know? Yeah. We, we realized we don't need these motherfuckers over here. We don't. Uh, we can do our own thing. And it's way more fun without them. It's great. It's, uh, it's a breath of fresh air. And uh, the response has been great. And uh, just the growth over time, so... I don't know. It's kind of humbling. I tried to kind of rack my brain for the last, I don't know, month or two, really. But in all seriousness, like when I had this day lined up for 200, that was probably three weeks back when I knew that it would line up for tonight, 1025. And I just was like, what am I going to do? What are we going to like? We should do something special, right? We should do something. I don't know, some gimmick. And uh, the more we thought about it and talked about it, the more we were like, no, you know what? Like, we're going to do a bowl. It's going to be the 200th one we do. <laughs> yeah. And maybe we can like look back and reflect on some stuff, but there doesn't need to be a gimmick. There doesn't need to be like a trick. Uh, you know? Yeah. There just needs to be this, the gratitude, like the, the reflection on the journey we've taken so far. And like, we've got a long ways to go. So this That's is just, right. just, just kind of a step on that journey. And we appreciate all you guys taking it with us. Been a, it's been a wild week, too. It kind of lined up perfectly with a lot of different events uh, and a lot of different fun things. And a wild uh, week for the for the Casey Bitcoiners, starting right after the bowl last week, uh, Wednesday night was their uh, Beers with Bitcoiners. Ah, uh, yes. Beers with Bitcoiners. And you sent me a picture that made me so jealous. Because <laughs> I don't remember why, but I mean, I stayed home with the kids. Because, yeah, because they don't like to go to the meeting. Well, you weren't feeling the greatest either. Yeah. I gotta say, so there's this hormone called relaxin that starts kicking in when you get towards the end of your pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And it sucks. It's like, <laughs> it sounds so great. It sounds relaxing. relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's making my hips like all wobbly, you know, because they're getting uh -huh. looser. Yeah, I see you doing like the, prep. the granny waddle. Yeah, I'm waddling. I have to hold myself by the lower back sometimes, rolling side to side in bed. Trying to get up is tough because I got this big Buddha belly in front of me. Ugh. Mm -hmm. So that kind of sucked. But, and yeah, the kids have been like, eh, I don't really want to go to a Bitcoin meeting. But that luckily that changed. We'll get into that. Okay. But yeah, you sent me this picture <laughs> from the Beers of Bitcoiners of you and Steve Sanders. Mm -hmm. oh, and I was like, I haven't like officially shook his hand and said hi yet. Well, when he got there, he was in the like coat and scarf that he wears uh, in King of Kong. And he was like, I oh. wore this just for you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and so then uh, as he was leaving and putting that back on, I was like, hey, we if you're in that coat, we just gotta get a picture. Yeah. Send a Lorian. Uh, That's so he, why he knew I was a fangirl. He indulged me in that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a great time. I brought you some uh, yummy chicken back. Oh, yeah. Their I'm, chicken is so good. I love the way they do their chicken. Chicken lips. 
You get them. Uh, That's what they call it, right? I think fried dipped in uh, fucking. Uh, I don't know. Balls dipped in. Honey. I always tell them all three of the words. They're essentially blackened, but they call it yeah. something else, right? I don't know. Yeah, they're like pan seared and fried and yeah. crispy, and they fry them and they sauce them and then they uh, blacken them. Yeah, and then that sauce soaks into the meat, so it's like so flavorful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the way to do it. And you always go with buffalo. Yeah, why go wrong? Well, they have one other thing I would definitely try, which is the sweet chili. Okay. Because I love sweet chili. Okay, I'll keep it in mind. But buffalo is a no-brainer. Always good. Yeah, I wonder if Solid they have a hotter choice. version of the buffalo. Yeah, I kind of wondered that, too, this last time around. Did you say balls dipped in honey? I did. Because <laughs> you paused. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, and then I just got taken over. <laughs> it's uh, nuts. 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 <laughs> Well, I mixed it with a, another favorite of mine, which isn't on the board, which is, a, I want to dip my balls in it. Oh, my God, yes. I don't know why that's not on the board. Well, because I haven't clipped it yet, I guess. Yeah. We watched that with your dad. It was kind of cringe. It didn't hold the up. The state we're talking it about. It didn't hold up when you're watching it with your dad, let's say. Yeah, but the Sid and Nancy. It's still funny it, as It was fuck. so just, funny. It was like, you just can't watch it with your dad, that's all. Yeah, can't watch it with a boom. There's just things that are less funny, right? There's people who, like, aren't on board or they're not going to get that type of humor. The hormones. The first episode is... Raunchy. And raunchy. Yeah. 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 It's raunchy. Anyway, we've digressed. Whatever. So that was Wednesday. Beers with Bitcoiners. And you, I'm guessing, talked about... The Blocktoberfest we that was coming up. We did some last minute prep. Uh, they stuffed some bags and uh, a couple of, of newcomers there that we got lost in conversation with, as, as happens. Nice. Um, New faces. That's awesome. And then, yeah, I don't know. The rest of the week was a bit of a blur because I had a teach going. Mm. Friday was exciting because we did bowls with buds. Absolutely. With a new bud. That was kick ass. Alex of Control Pew. If you haven't listened uh, to the Bulls with Buds yet, that one was, um, I don't know. I knew it would be interesting, right? I knew it would be interesting, yes. but uh, I was uh, definitely pleasantly surprised. And uh, we got along great. And we talked a lot about 3D printing and guns and uh, 3D printing guns, but so much more, kind of like sovereignty and, you know, some some recurring themes lately on the show, decentralization, self-sovereignty, uh, self-reliance bitcoin uh bitcoin <laughs> made another uh made another value split that's right for somebody yeah a new guest new value split gotta love that we got so wrapped up in it we forgot our we forgot some things so oh, we rolled geez, into a yeah. post show i dumbassed it so hard um rolled into a post show and it, the timing is always so funny with these kind of things like the universe is just in sync so we we closed out the show, and I hadn't read a single Boostagram, because I'm a fucking idiot. You got lost in the content. It's I just right. did get lost, and then I looked at the clock, and I was like, you know, it was sensing uh, kind of uh, steamrolling kind of out of it. Yeah. So I wrapped up without thinking about it, and then realized it right at the end of the show, because, of course, I think it was Harvat who nailed us with the, our outro boost that he loves to do, and... 
I was like, oh shit, I haven't even read any boosts. So we just read them on the post show. And then it was like this struggle to determine how are we going to fix this or at first I was like, let's just pop it in because there's a little lull and we can just find a lull to insert it into. But some of the content and some of like what I said was, oh shit, we forgot, you know, forgot the boosts. I'm an idiot. Um, Thank you. And then uh, Adam Curry was talking on, um, I want to say, now I don't know which 100% which one, but I'm pretty sure it was the latest podcasting 2.0. I got behind and then I had to binge catch up. And I'm pretty sure it was the last one where he was addressing, it was a little bit of a ping pong, right? Two shows ago, he said something to somebody about how the frigging podcasts are edited, right? And uh, how the ums and uhs are cut out and everything is just too tight and too polished. And you can tell when you're hearing it. It's like, feels unnatural. Sure, like NPR. Right. Or like those produced mm-hmm. shows. Correct. And uh, some uh, people we are adjacent with in this space, let's say, who, who over-edit. And he was just making a point about, hey, you know, I've been kind of doing this for a while, and it's hard for me to listen to, because I can hear those, like, smack cuts. Like, you will hear a, you know when you hear it overdone on a TikTok video, and then they'll just, like, cut to the very next thing, and it's it's just just chopped up and smashed together. Now, I'm not saying it's that bad, but you can hear it. When it's not just a natural flow of conversation, when it's been edited, when all the ums and ahs and certain things are taken out, when you go through the whole friggin' conversation with a fine-tooth comb, and I guess there's other methods where dudes are just chopping it up and changing timeline stuff, and he was just saying, you know, if I do edits to the show, I'll just cut out where somebody has to let a dog out or something obvious, you know? And that's kind of what we ended up deciding on the post show with Alex was just, you know what, let's just decide to cut it at a certain part where it makes sense and end it later. And I was thinking, oh, do we put a music bed back in? Do we do a second fade out of music? No. No, we just like, we'll just, we just leave it as it happened. We don't cut and move anything anywhere else. We truncate silence slightly. That's what we do. And we, and we make the levels nice. So that the quiet parts aren't too quiet and the loud parts aren't too loud. But other than that, we don't change like the flow. We don't fix just the simple errors. We don't take out me saying like a hundred times ever since we talked to Eric Yakes and he got me doing that shit again. We don't do any of that. We just give it to you how it happened. Yes. It's real. It's just the conversation. And it makes nothing but sense. Thank you. <laughs> we want to try and make maximum sense around here. Uh, despite what anybody else told you, we make some sense. So it was just, so much fun. It was it was just like vindicating to hear that. Because he had said it the same day. You know, that podcasting 2.0 came out that same day, but I didn't hear it live. And I didn't have a chance to listen to it until the next day. And so I was just like, oh, wow. Something in the universe. Mm-hmm. We also had to restart that show, kind of. <laughs> because uh, we, I was, Alex wasn't coming through on the recording in the beginning, yep. but we only lost a minute. I had a... And you make a comment about it in the episode, so. so... I think so. I acknowledge it. We... <laughs> such an idiot. I didn't check, and a new version of Audition was uh, pushed out, and so all of my inputs were different, and I had my mix minus going into the recording part, too, which is just a newbie mistake. 
But uh, there you are. Yeah, 200 episodes new, you know. Yeah, exactly. Still a baby. Mm-hmm. Baby podcaster. I know. Uh, for a long time, Abel Kirby was like, aren't they on like three something? <laughs> like, no, dog. We're in the ones. Now we're in the twos. He visited the future. We'll be in the threes before you know it. Yeah, he must have heard some of our later episodes. Cripes, we're going to have like eight kids by then. Or future episodes. <laughs> and a bigger vehicle. Uh, so the next day, it was kind of fun because it was an impromptu day trip that we took. Yes, you had work that fell through. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, there is an event I talked to you about in the beginning of the month. And you told me you had work. Yep. So I just pulled it off my calendar. And that was a gem and mineral show in Springfield, Missouri, which is three hours south of us. Yep. And uh, now that you're not working, let's go. Yeah, we had the day free. And so. it started at 10. So I was like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So we stayed up to like 2, 2.30 uh, doing the post show with Alex Friday. We got our asses out of bed. A miracle. At 7 a.m. Got on the road by like 8.30 or 9 with the kids. It was crazy. Yeah, it was gnarly. I don't know how we pulled it off, but we pulled it off. Well, and we talked earlier about uh, not, you know, sometimes you just got to go and yeah. you don't check that you have everything. Yeah. I forgot my uh, wholesale business information. Womp womp. But it didn't, it didn't matter because they didn't have like a wholesale section. Yes. So, whew. They had uh, retail, pro- uh, retail rocks for yeah. retail peeps. Then they had the silent auction where you can always mop Ugh. up no matter what the show is. Those are awesome. The silent auction part is really where to hover and swoop. And then they had get your kids free rocks or almost free rocks. A kid's corner. Um, So, the, you know, kids at the gym and mineral show. It's like, that's where to go. That's where it's at. Yeah. Well, in a lot of the societies that put on these shows, they have to do it as a requirement. To show that they're educating folks, I guess, because uh-huh. this group, oh, I can't remember their name. It's like Ozark Gem and Mineral Society, I think, is the group that put this one together. And they said that. They said, this is how we make our money for the year is with this show. And this is also how we check off the like educating youth box and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And they did. This was an awesome one. Yeah, it was great. Where they let every kid pick out an egg carton. And then walk around this table with a piece of paper and a pencil and pick out 12 rocks, 12 different types of gems or minerals, and, uh, you know, write them down on the paper along with whatever fun facts they want. Yeah, they So had that they remember like, what they were. They had maybe like 20 different specimen boxes to choose from, and you could pick 12 of them, and those were your 12. And there was some great stuff in there. Yeah, and the girls have been looking through them every single day since they did that and trying to name them, like trying to memorize them and stuff. And I am I know what they all are, so. Cool. When they get it wrong or like John got a hold of the egg carton and shook it up, you know, so they all landed in one. And then it was like, oh, here's a project. Let's put them back in the place where they belong. Do you know which one is fluorite? Do you remember? Do you remember which one is garnet? So freaking cool. That was really awesome. And then they had rock races, which I had never seen. That was cool. That was fun. That was fun. 50 cents to enter. Can't beat that. It was 50 cents per entrant. And they had this wooden ramp with three lanes. uh, Looked almost just like a Pinewood Derby car, if anybody's familiar with those. Uh, Pinewood Derby track. Only instead of the lifted lane that the wheels go, one on each side, or a set on each side, I should say, 
there was just troughs for these round rocks to roll down. So you picked this round rock out of like a little box of round rocks. And then each kid put them up there and they dropped them. And then they just had a pile of rocks for first, second, and third place. And whoever took, you know, each place got the pile of rocks. And and it was a pile They of were being rocks. very generous with the uh, first, second, and third prizes. And we, uh, one of the things that the girls won was an uncracked geode. Yes. So that's super exciting. Yeah, I want to bust the tile saw out on it and, like, really get a smooth opening to it. Not just, like, smack it with a hammer inside of a towel or, you know, yeah. crack it. Because they can crumble real easily. I want one that's Ooh. nice and smoothly cut and then maybe even polish the edge once we cut it. Yeah. want to do it right, you know. Yeah. We'll do a geode lesson that day, too. Mm-hmm. The girls already were like, why is it so light? Yep. I was like, oh, good observation. I forgot to go to the booth where they were doing um, mineral identifications. Oh, right. Did you bring stuff brought... to ID? ID? Yeah. We once got a bunch of boxes of rocks from a friend who had acquired them from a geologist in the state. And so I think they're all Missouri rocks, mm. but there's these strange ones. They're in like, a, I don't know if it's a tetrahedron shape or what, but they just have a bunch of flat sides and they're pink with silver. Well, it looks like mica in like black, like Galena, like shiny metals inside of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, at first I looked and I saw pink and I'm like, rose quartz. But then I saw the the metallic things and I was like, this, I don't know what this is. Mozartite? I don't know. So I want someone to tell me. <laughs> and so I brought a handful of them with me and totally forgot about it because mm. I had so much fun. They had coloring and stuff in the kids' corner also. Yep. They also put the kids' corner next to the bathrooms, which is a very smart place for the kids' corner. Yes. Yes, they did. Then we got that was, to, that was merciful. Then the kids were like, I'm hungry. And hungry kids don't function very well. Nope. So we're like, what's around? Ah, oh, a classic steak and shake. <laughs> yeah, one of the which, steak and shakes that hasn't changed since like the 60s or something. Yeah, I don't know exactly when, but. It still had the take home a sack banner on it which i've only seen pictures of right in the steak yeah. and shakes i've been to anytime you go to a steak and shake they have pictures of what the steak and shakes used to look like these classic looking pictures that have like a neon take home a sack sign and um this one still looked like that it still looked like the pictures on the wall they have so that that was cool that was nice yeah good lunch then the highlight of the evening we uh went over to the bass pro and while we were at the bass pro Got in touch with our man Pfeiffer. Yeah. Down there in the Ozarks and said, hey, what you up to, man? We didn't expect to be here, but we want to kick it. So as we were uh, wandering around Bass Pro, by the way, Bass Pro, one of the most beautiful places ever. I love that place. That's their um, global headquarters. It's in Springfield, so it's the biggest Bass Pro shop, and they have like four or five museums in there at least. It's crazy. I didn't realize it was a... I didn't know I had so many different Since I've been, <laughs> they opened up that aquarium and that uh, uh, other museum that we didn't, like a wildlife museum that costs a shitload of money to go into. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have the budget for it this time around, but it looks like you could make a day out of that alone. This is not the Pyramid. That's Bass right. Pro. That's right. The Pyramid is located in Tennessee. 
and it's a little bit weird and just a little a bit bit. wild, but <laughs> I think this one is bigger than the pyramid. It's it's stupid enormous. And there's a lot of free stuff too. They had there's a free like an auto racing museum because yeah. they have a long history of uh sponsoring NASCAR cars. Uh there is a and by the way they have like the wreckage of some car that got absolutely trucked. Um, yeah, that is gnarly to look at. That was pretty crazy. And then they have a replica of the original Bass Pro store all set up, like how it used to look and all the original prices. So I think they started in like 73 or something like that. And they've got, you know, like handles of whiskey for eight, nine bucks or something. And different, just wild things to look at. Um, what else do they have? They have... Uh, An Archery Hall of Fame. Archery Hall of Fame. NRA. NRA uh like a firearms museum. Yep. And then of course, like the store, they just, there's just like a shitload of manly shit to buy. Uh, I thought there was a box of two, two, three ammo. Oh goodness. And on the shelf, it was labeled at like 180 bucks for a thousand rounds. Yeah. A thousand rounds. And I was like, uh, in my cart, right? Meow. Yeah. Threw it in there. Cause I was like, I'm not, <laughs> I can't walk away. <laughs> from a thousand rounds of TG3 for fucking less than 200 bucks. Not gonna happen. And then it rang up like 600 and some dollars and I was like, ah, shit. It was it probably just in the wrong sense. place. I mean, there were other boxes just like it back behind that tag and everything. Like, I couldn't, you know. Damn tag. But then they were like, uh, 600 and something. I was like, eh, I'm gonna have to put that one back. <laughs> I thought it was a different number. Yeah, that was a bummer. But, whatever. But we still, we got some good ammo prices. Yes. Some reasonable stuff. Not a thousand rounds, though. <laughs> no. no, not the big That bulks. was very exciting. <laughs> I know. I thought I had found, like, the score of the century. Yeah, although, I did. Although a while back uh, would have been probably that price, but whatever. Yeah. Whatever. I found the score of a cen- the century. And then Pfeiffer, he took us to this awesome <laughs> mini golf slash batting cages uh, facility. Uh, I feel bad because I know he wanted to go bowling, and I wanted to go bowling, too, but... Step one, we got back to the car, and I didn't have my bowling bag. Yeah, with boo, my ball and his, our our my shoes, shoes in too. It. Yep, your shoes and my shoes in it, which the is puff ball. always, <laughs> by the way, in the trunk. It's always in the trunk, and somehow it got removed from the trunk against Proto. Someone didn't follow Proto, buddy. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. You didn't follow Proto, buddy. You're done. But uh, I was like bummed out by that, and then we looked the prices, and we were just like, you know. Uh, it's a little, it's a little steep. And it's Saturday night. Bowling prices are steep on Saturdays. Like, that's yeah. just, that's just how it, it it rolls, you know? That's, that's how it goes. So we were like, is there anything cheaper? And he was like, you know what? There's this mini golf. Girls have never been mini golfing. So it's a learning experience. You got to tell them how to stand and how to hold the club, like every single hole, every single stroke, actually. Mm-hmm. But I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did it. And, uh, they stuck it out for the most part to the end. Yeah. And then... John's not walking yet, so he was just yeah, a pain he, in the ass the whole time. He but, was no help. But he loved Pfeiffer. Yeah. Pfeiffer was like, well, I'll hold him. And he was like, wow, look at that beard. Yes. <laughs> he was <laughs> so, taking that beard in. That was awesome. And then uh, Big Whiskey's for dinner. Yep. Which was an interesting spot. So all in all, of a great day trip to Springfield. And we appreciate Pfeiffer for... Kicking it with us. Yeah, what a dude. In fact, I've got a note from him later on. 
Cool. When we get there. But then the big bad Bitcoin block fest. Uh, it was so funny because we were parting ways at the restaurant. And he's like, you know, if you guys want to crash, like if you don't want to make the drive back, you can just crash here for the night. And I was like, you know, on a normal day, we probably would take you up on that. But we get the block party in the morning. So we have another yep. late night, early morning situation that we got to go uh, get through. But we got through it. We did. A uh, wonderful time. It was absolutely the windiest event I've ever been at, yeah. say, except for one winter camping trip that I did with the scouts where everybody's tent just got blown all over the place. Ooh. Uh, that was no fun. But yeah, similar experience here. We luckily tied our tent down to several stationary mm. objects. Yeah. And we were the first vendor to get there. As is our way, we were able to kind of park our tent under the dock where the bands were performing. The early right bird. by the stage. The early bird so pops the squat, man. That helped too block some of the wind out because of the walls going on there. That was cool. That was cool. All the Casey Bitcoiners came out. Big support. Uh, we got we had way more vendors than last time. Probably triple the vendors. That yep. was pretty cool. And. Uh, we made more sats than last time. Yeah. Vend the dip. That's what we said. Vend the dip. Vend the dip. So I think there were fewer transactions, but overall more sats, which that's kind of like the Fine. goal. That's the goal <laughs> there is the sats. So yep. number go up. Uh, we were happy about that. Yep. One thing we discovered was that uh, all the lightning transactions were super easy. Uh, I think we had one on-chain transaction. It was yep. also relatively fast because the mempool was light that day yes and we also like you see it's pending right away whether the block's all or not so you at least know it's coming and then uh a couple of fiat guys uh one with cash so it's like okay i can take this cash i can go over here to my casey bitcoiner buddy and have him turn it into sats right away because they were there selling people sats to get them onboarded but god Damn, if all they had was a piece of plastic and a bank account, like... That's a pain in the ass. That was a pain in the ass to figure out. And, I, you know, we don't have a card swiper or anything like that. Uh, no, but even if you did, that takes longer than a lightning transaction. you got to print some trash out to give them to sign and then ask them if they want another piece of trash that uh, is theirs to keep while you keep their trash. And it's funny because one person was like, oh, please excuse me, like... I'm Gen X. I'm not caught up with the times. And it's like, dude, the J Bitcoin is easier. Yeah, it this is. This is way easier than what you're trying to do. Like, I'm just as confused as you with this fiat bullshit. We are <laughs> actually lucky that we had the show and shit. Because basically what I did was just put her in for a fucking uh, bull after bull donation. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, here, just send this money to the show. That's the only way I know to punch a debit card in and make it work. Cripes. And That was... Um, the biggest issue is yeah. fiat. <laughs> yeah. Servo asks, how were they doing cash to sats? Uh, they were taking the cash and putting it in their pocket and then sending you sats on Lightning. Does the Casey Bitcoiners have a collective wallet? Casey Bitcoiners using? has a node, and I don't know. I think everybody was just doing that individually. Like, uh, Mitch sold me some sats. Okay. When I got the cash, I was like, hey, I want to stay pure and keep our sat count, so... Uh, will you turn this cash into sats? And he was like, yeah, you know what? I'll do it. That's fine. It's like a little cash back action for me, and then I don't have to use an ATM, and I got some cash on me. That's totally cool. Yeah. So it was a win-win. But we also have a 
uh, Bitcoin ATM, and now that I'm on the spot, the name is eluding me. Um, it's a little handheld one, though, mm. and it prints you out um, a paper receipt with a QR that you can just scan, and then for a fee, I think it's a 5% fee, and three and a half goes to them, them being whoever provides this goddamn thing that it I can see it in my brain. It's yeah. ticking me off. I can't think of it either. Uh, and then one and a half percent goes to Casey Bitcoiners for being a vendor, a Sats vendor. So they did not have, I don't believe, that machine there uh, at the not at the festival at the festival. But but I got to meet Steve Sanders. You did, <laughs> and boy, he had the nicest things to say about you. Uh, he did. If I if only I had recorded it. He's a sweet man. What can I say? He sure is. What can I say? So yeah, all in all, it's been a, a fantastic week. And I actually got some fantastic news today, uh, Bitcoiners related and uh, Great Week related, that Orange Pill Addicts episode I was on finally dropped. Woo, finally. It's out today, so it's hot and fresh. Two weeks later. Uh, it's hot. Well, it's hot and fresh <laughs> in one sense, <laughs> let's say. Uh, but it was recorded on Lorian's birthday on the yeah. 12th, so... Uh, it was about two weeks, right? Yeah, almost. It was less than two weeks. That's fine. What less is, than two weeks. They so got it out in less than two weeks. Did you ask them, like, are they stockpiling episodes so that they well, don't have to do a... they usually release one every week, and they usually record one every Wednesday night. And so I guess what they had done is recorded a Wednesday and then a weekend one and then mine. And so with with his workflow, it kind of was like, oh, I got, you know, some extra things to do that I'm used to doing. Mm. And so I told them how you bully people into... Posting that night before they go to bed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, I'll sick my wife on you, man. You're not going to like it. And uh, he was like, it'll be out soon. It'll be out soon. And sure enough, is that today? You got so, it out, yeah. yeah. I didn't want to like... Better have know, it out by the next bowl. I wasn't really like... Uh, you know, sometimes you can just put a little lighthearted pressure on a dude and that's all. But and yeah, not no, actually stick your wife on him. Yeah. <laughs> stick or sick or, you know, whatever you want to say. Riff. Uh, but geez, we've been talking about our week. We want to talk about some bowlers, I think. Yeah. And I want to say right up front, huge thanks to Fletcher who made the episode art tonight. Totally. And it's so fucking epic. It kicks some ass, man. It really brings the 200 together. Uh, I love, it's like, uh, it's a DeLorean and a wolf. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. In a weed field. In a weed field. And, um. Looking all retro futuristic, and uh, you added the two hundred. Yep. Which I just gave you a slight like font suggestion on, and I just think it looks so pretty, man. Me too. Perfect art. So yes, Fletcher, thank you. Kicking ass. A huge way to contribute value to the show. Yeah, giving us art, giving us uh, story ideas, giving us little clips or ISOs. Being in the chat, hanging out with us, chatting and trolling along in the bowl. Um. All of these things, all of these things. But, of course, we want to thank everybody up front for sending treasure, army treasure, uh, because that keeps the show rolling, and it's really the the easiest way to, um, I don't know, I don't know exactly how. I wanted to talk about value for value, because we always do, uh, and we've just had so much value. I think like things like going to the Bitcoin meetups, I would never have done that if it weren't for C-dubs in the chat saying, yo, I'm going to Bitcoiners meetups out here in Cali. And it occurred to me, oh, wow, there's probably 
Bitcoin meetups here in Kansas City. I should look it up. I should figure it out. Are there Bitcoin meetups? And of course, there was a Bitcoin meetup. Mitch and the boys had started, and, and they were cranking along. And now I go to those like all the time. Every one that I can make, I go to that, and that has enhanced my life. That has brought value into my life. That's value for value. If I have a day trip, and then I'm in Springfield, I could be, I know I could be in Ohio. I know I could be uh, in California. I know I could be in Massachusetts. I know I could be anywhere in the country. I know I could be in Tennessee and have people that I could hit up and say, hey, what are you up to? We happen to be in town. You want to kick it. And that's value in community. Like all of this value for value stuff, like it goes so much deeper than um, just pea counting every week. But the pea counting is actually a way to quantify it. There is a way to really put a number on the value and, and return that. And that's what we always remind people to do, and that's why we thank people up front uh, each show. We try to do it kind of in front of the content, just because it's important to us. And, uh, we, you know, we want to show gratitude for that return. We're going to start with the PayPal, which can be found bullafterbull.com at the bottom of every page is a little donate button and a few of our bowlers have taken advantage of that including sir chris vox who's back with a little stonation hell yeah 420 uh so thank you for that sir thank you is that beefa nah niggas weed thank you for the weed and uh he left us a note sir chris vox here with the standard stonation thank you uh, I'm playing with Hairball at the Ameristar Casino February 3rd. Hello. Hi. Oh, yes. And he says, if you guys would like to attend, let me know and I'll get you ticks. I think we should take him yeah, up Yeah, let's it. put it in the calendar right now. Because uh, there was one kind of close, but it wasn't super close. I think it was Iowa. It was in right? Iowa. The last time uh, that was closest. And we were considering doing that. And then uh, something else came up. This one's here at Ameristar. Yeah, it's, we're going. Uh, four months out, uh, three and a half, whatever. So I think that's uh, brilliant. And make a meetup beforehand. Be the day after uh, Cena's birthday, too. Perfect. And roll right into that. I think that's great. Thank you, Chris Fox. Appreciate that. And we will definitely take you up on that. Next came up uh, our friend Baron Giant. Yeah, Baron Giant. 333. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, no note with this one, uh, but I... Th- I'm fairly certain he was chipping in for the Bulls with Buds we did with uh, Alex from Control Pew. I know this next donor, Net Ned, was doing the same, and he sent $25. Woo! Uh, Thank you for the value for value. We appreciate. And a note, awesome show, topics I know, but very much info that's good to know in Minecraft. Yes. Uh, referring to our talk with Alex of Control Pew. So... Um, Net Ned, he knows his way around a 3D printer. I can tell you that. Then we have uh, Pfeiffer coming in. And this is another weird, wild way of value for value, right? Like, it it manifests in a lot of ways. It takes some faith and trust and love, right? But it's like the check comes at dinner. And I'm just like, got it. I, I will put, you know, my card down first. And I'm not sure if he didn't have... Uh, card on him or hadn't been in the ATM or something, right? Like, so just, it was something where I was like, dude, we, we already got it. Don't worry. And he hits us back on the PayPal. He says with a note, V for V rocks. 
But also, the waitress didn't split our check. That's what it ended up being. It was like, the waitress didn't split the check. And yeah. rather than uh, saying, hey, can you split this in half? I was just like, no, split it in half. Like, I got this. Uh, so he hit us back, uh, 40 doll hairs. Thank you, sir. Ooh, thanks, Pfeiffer. Um, more than his share. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we definitely appreciate that. Uh, he said, waitress didn't split our check. Hanging out with the bullets is always worth it if you can. Oh. So thank you. Um, yeah, and we'd hang out with any of the bowlers. That's right. Any and all of you. Hanging out with the bowlers. Anytime you can, man. Yeah, that's really where the value has uh, been at for me. You may have heard that we're a small group, but uh, that's kind of subjective in my opinion. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> Servo yeah. says, but that's money laundering. Wonder <laughs> <laughs> this dick. <laughs> uh, next, Bayern Giant comes in again. <gasps> He's back for oh, more. Thanks. Double dipping. Uh, with 576 and a note, he says, Here's to Fernita Cook. Nothing beat Aunt Nini taking me and Blake out of school for lunch at Denny's and an afternoon at Union Station's Science City. Aw. So, yes, shout out, Fernita Cook. And uh, thank you, Baron Giant. God, Union Station is so much fun. It is. It's a great time. It's a great and wonderful time. Uh, we also we're talking about Bitcoin lately, and uh, we're plugged in to this podcasting 2.0 stuff. You can stream sats per minute, which many of our bowlers do, and uh, which I really should try and dive into TLV records and thank you. But I see your streams coming in, uh, not only during lives uh, and right now, but also throughout the week, and I, we very much appreciate those streams and. If ever you want uh, to shout us out uh, and, and, you know, say, yeah. hey, I stream and, and I just want to say this or that, you know, we're happy to read a note if you send one to uh, either of us or to show at bullafterbull.com. We'll yeah, then both we'll both get it. Uh, but mine's Spencer at bullafterbull.com. Mine's Lorian, L-A-U-R-I-E-N at like- bullafterbull.com. Indeed, indeed. We like to roll it back to where the last show stopped, which was Harvhat's fade out. Yes. Um, and that was 1420. So thank you, sir. He was boosting out of Boost CLI. Uh, then there was a lot of boosts coming in for the live show of Alex of Control Pew, which we did at the end get those thanks in. So, yes. Uh, we appreciate all of that coming through. Uh, I think that the delineator for that, uh, we taught, we said Net Ned said awesome show for 6333 in Fountain. And, uh, then next up is Floydian Slips for 2,500 sats, uh, who boosted that show, Alex of Control Pew. By the way, if you boost those shows, those Bulls with Buds episodes, uh, we have splits for our guests in there. So not only are you boosting the show, but you're also boosting the guest. They get a 30-year boost, and that's forever. That's royalties, uh, value for value style, where they're just negotiated between us and the guests. We don't have to ask anybody. We don't have to send a... Uh, any kind of clearinghouse bullshit or wait 30 days or any of that just happens. It's automagic. It's programmable money. Hello. That's how we do it. Uh, 10-333. That's 10,333 from Fletcher out of Fountain. He says, put me on yet another list. <laughs> Done. Okay, here we go. Uh, hey, Citizen, 8008, hitting us out of Podverse, the only other app... I think you can actually boost the live tag. So there's CurioCaster and 
Podverse where you can listen and boost the live tag. And then you could also boost that live tag properly. So if you want to hit the guests uh, and get the guest split in there while the live show is going on, you got to do CurioCaster or you got to do Podverse or you can hit them with the boost CLI. It will also pick up the live tag nice. and uh, properly distribute those sets. Um, I kind of was whining about that because, uh, you know, if you boost live in Fountain, um, I love Fountain. I wear my Fountain hat every chance I go out in public. I'm always wearing my Fountain hat. I wish they would bring in live tag. I wish yeah. they would uh, allow it. Uh, I was disheartened to hear Adam kind of put like water on that fire of like only 10 people use it. Like, I don't give a fuck. Uh, only what? 10 people use it, but they're in the top 25 of the Fountain charts every motherfucking week. So uh, the 10 people that use it, are some of the highest sats earners in the entire fountain ecosystem. And most of those boosts come in live, far more come in live than during the week. And so if we have a guest on, we have a split for them and people are listening to the live show. Uh, there's absolutely enough reason for fountain to add support to the live tag. And I think it should be done sooner rather than later. We're coming up on a year of that being in play. So what the fuck? Where's the live tag? That's all. That's all. 808 uh, from Fletcher. He's coming out of fountain. He says, this is Bob. Bob has bitch tits. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, let's see. There's a lot, uh, by the way, of boosts coming in through your Meatus Pod episode. Ah, uh, yes. Out of Fountain. You uh, were an actress on When You Find a Necklace. Yeah. Voice acting debut. And I've noticed that a lot of these are 100 sat. Uh, yeah. Kind of like. sats at a time. It's. I think it's the Fountain default, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there seems to be uh, some sort of a, um, I don't know, there's some kind of a value-for-value value talk that's not being talked, you know, in, uh, in that particular ecosystem, I think. Yeah. I just get that sense, you know? It's like, it's at the defaults, and they're paying you, like, little pieces to listen to certain shows, and so you kind of base that on what you're going to give shows. And uh, I, th I think that, um, I don't know, the numbers just seem a little bit different. Than the value. Than true value. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think true value, when it comes in and you really understand value for value, you're going to see wildly different numbers, and you're also going to see a lot of numerology. You're going to see a yes. lot of, like, like you might see lower than 100 numbers. You might see, like, people bursting 33 or 69, but you're going to see, like, numbers that people choose because it, the number is important, right? Yeah. And they're sending a certain energy with the number. They're saying something with the number. And I think there's, you know, it's just it's just so... Uh, culturally insular right now, I think. We, uh, we could all, I think we all need to do what we can to kind of spread that uh, culture. Definitely. And um, I know many of us are doing it all the time. So uh, it's just kind of something I observed. It was kind of fascinating to see it. Uh, as Yeah, because every time something comes in for uh, that episode, it is 100 Seth. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I've never seen the same number come in from so many different people before. And so I was like, this is interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, far more interesting, though, is a boost from Servo for 3333. Woo! That's four threes out of Boost CLI. And he says, boosting from Crontab, that's his weekly 420 boost. Nice. How interesting is that? You talk about programmable money. Set up your node to Crontab boost a weekly boost. It's fantastic. Uh, and he's got these timestamps included on all of his boosts uh, from Boost CLI, too, which is pretty pretty sick if you ask me uh 
move over because Cotton Gin comes slamming through with 200,000 sats. Whoa. Absolutely mad lad. Thank you, Cotton Gin. Thank you, bitch. <laughs> oh. I know I've got a... Uh... Yeah, here we go. Cotton Gin and Cotton Gin. <laughs> yeah, Cotton Gin, Cotton, cotton gin, gin. Cotton Gin and the Cotton Gin. Who also helped us create... Our Kansas City style breakfast pizza and doesn't even know it. That's true. Yeah. I kind of <laughs> invented a new way of making a, a big ass omelet when he was here. And, um, and we're sticking with it. Changed my life. Yeah. I want to try and perfect it in different ways, but uh, did it a new way. And it was fucking excellent. And it heated up like a champion. Both times he was here, we had the ribs too. Yeah. We just smoked ribs. We just smoked ribs. Mm. So he always knows when to come through. I think he's just got some kind of a, an eye, (laughs) an all seeing eye on my smoker. And, uh, that's not a, that's a, that's not a bad move to make. (laughs) Keep an an eye or a nose or some kind of sense on my smoker. Then, you know, the perfect time to come through. He says happy 200. Thank uh, you. Out of Curio Caster. And we appreciate that. Thank you, Cotton Chin. That's very sweet. Uh, also, 20,000 sats from N.A. Millennial. Woo! You may have heard of him. Greg Daniels. Greg Daniels, <laughs> uh, who does the, of course, MMO.show, the Millennial Media Offensive with John G. Do. And, uh, in fact, just wrapped up just before we took the stream over today. That's right. No DH Unplugged tonight. They're Tuesday buddies with us on the stream. He says, here's to at least 220 more episodes. Oh, yeah. Happy 200 bowl after bowl, guys. So he's, Thank you. He's really hoping we make it to that 420, I think, is, is the uh, the little wink and nudge there. I trust we will. Uh, met a mutual acquaintance, by the way, at the Bitcoin block party. Uh, Jake Ryan from Jake Stakes, man. Uh, I, got, I ran into him. Yeah, lucky. What a dude, by the way. <laughs> I was trying to get him to come up and talk to you, and he was like... I know, I had to man the booth. He was in this. He was dancing this line with me where he had to leave, but he was also trying to get me to buy some beef before he left. And, well, and he was also, you know, just telling me a few things about uh, what he does. And um, when I first met him, it was when I was flipping the cash into sats with mitch right oh nice and that's what i was doing and he was busy buying raw milk because this is his raw milk hookup i believe raw goat milk if i'm not wrong but uh some sort of raw milk um the best of the milks and so like he was like yeah this is my raw milk guy do you want to buy raw milk and that was the pitch at first and i was just like yeah i'd love to try raw milk but i just like we're not i I was like do i need to get it cold right away and he was like yeah you kind of do and I was like, well, I don't really have any. We were like trying to brainstorm, like, okay, if we got a Aldi bag and then we put some ice from <laughs> Cancun in, you know, and I'm I'm willing to entertain some weird shit, like, but I was like, you know, I better just say no because the car is going to be so stuffed with bullshit from our booth that it's True. just it's just impractical to buy some raw milk right now. But let me get you next time you come through. And he was like, yeah, I've just been driving all over the country delivering beef and when he said that i was like i know who you are you're jake you're, you're the jake steaks guy yeah and indeed he was the jake steaks guy and then we proceeded to talk uh about dan and about john and about the beef initiative and about like just so many other like uh different things that i kind of <laughs> like i've heard of but i'm not like directly privy to quite yet no and he you- was like he was like 
He was like, have you ever met Dan? And I was like, no. He's like, oh, the guy's like enormous. He's like a monster. He's like 6'6". Six, six. Uh, big, enormous guy. He's telling me about... Uh, um, now we're prepared. When he met, when he made the, <laughs> uh, the meat drop off. It's fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic. So I was like, well, I've, you know, I've met him uh through the through the inner tubes yeah, he's been in the bowl he's been in the bowl <laughs> you know i've i've broken bowls with him yet another so, person i have to look up to yeah just not in the same <laughs> physical room but virtual room we're here we're we're talking yeah so and you bought some beef and i did buy some beef i bought a couple of beef beef tubes so Fuck that was yeah. a fantastic uh fantastic i'm time. glad you caught him i am too and i was trying to get him to come I up and know. talk to you and he was like you know i got to get on the road but he wants you to talk to him and kind of, you know, he wants to tell you a story, get let you get a feel for what he's got going on, and then put put together some sort of a stone protection spell type situation for him. Oh, it. right. So I said, yeah, we can do that. We do that. That's uh, one of the things that we do. And he was like, and I was like, let me grab you something that you can just carry with you. You know, like let me get you a stone from the yeah. table. And he was like, no, I want to. Like I want to pay you guys for this. I want and I want it to be like a, a big thing. I don't want you to just grab me a stone that you give me. You know, like so. I was like, you know what? That's probably smart. I'm gonna Respect. do that. We're gonna do that. Yeah. So he wants to do Let's it right. Let's do it. You know who else did it right? Servo coming in again. Servo. Uh, he throws in twenty k as well. Woo! Fantastic. And uh, he says what he said, referring to Nam. <laughs> <laughs> nice uh, who also so servo plus one he wants also 220 more episodes well, i guess we can quit after 420 but yeah un- until then we got to keep uh packing these bowls yeah 4269 came in from harv hat uh right when we started the show out of curio caster so oh thank yeah you, sir. he always likes to roll it in for our intro booberry 200,000 sats Thank you, boobs. Throwing it down from Boo CLI. He says, happy 200. Here's to four score and 20 more. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, uh, nice. Booberry of behind the schemes, of course, every Monday. So he wants us to make it to uh, three, 300. Ah. Uh, so that we can bowl in the shade. Then I'll say, you know, 333 probably has to happen, uh, too. Yeah. That's, on the, that's on the road to 420. Yep. That is on the road to 420. 6969 coming in from our boy Pfeiffer. 6969, 69, dudes! Oh, yeah. And uh, he says it's five o'clock somewhere, and 920 is just 420 later. So nice. Yeah, it's, hard to, it's hard to argue with that ironclad logic. Yeah. That uh, coming out of the fountain podcast. Another fountain, 20,000 sats from Reverend Cyber Trucker. Woo, Rev. Stand up, stand up. Thank you very much, sir. And uh, he says, happy 200. Have a boost. Boost. A boost for you, sir. You may have a boost. Oh, man. I had a... uh... Oh, here we go. Cheers, Raph. A uh, thousand sats out of Curiocaster from Floydian Slips. He's boosting that live tag as well. Thank you nice, very much. Thanks. And then 2,000 more uh, from Floydian Slips. And he sends a note. Can't listen live, but can still send a live boostagram. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, stay stoned. Stay stoned. And all the bowlers out there, thank you so much for keeping us bowling and bowling 
and bowling again. Yes, we wouldn't be here without you. No, no, no. And you, uh, you give value in ways that are just unquantifiable. And so it's nice to be able to read um, the boost and the love and uh, kind of the numbers and the numerology. Like it's, uh, it kind of feeds the whole fire and the whole energy that's going on. But it's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just the visible tip of what true value for value really is. And so um, it's an important aspect of it. But I always want to point out that, like, if you're not in on uh, what this thing is that's going on, uh, then just listen and watch it for a while. Participate in it yourself. What, you know, find a show out there. Find some content that you value. Give value back to it. Tell your story of why. You know, what, why are you giving value? Uh, see how it's received. Check it out. Give it a shot. What do you have to lose other than the shackles to this miserable centralized uh, existence that doesn't want you dead, wants you uh, to own nothing and, and be finger wag happy, which just means sedated on pills? Mm. I don't think so, man. Apathy club. For me, I choose freedom. I choose love. And I choose uh, all of these lovely people that we've built uh, this community with. All the bowlers and we out can, there. We continue to. And beyond. We continue to. We're only just getting started, okay? This is all very early. And it's a sustainable growth. It's not an Icarus bullshit, crash into the sun kind of situation here. We're talking about the long haul. We're talking about changing for good so that future generations don't have to live this way. We're talking about big long-term shit. And I am so humbled to be just a little speck on that map, uh, pushing it the way that we all want it to go. So thanks for helping push. Uh, we love you guys. Yeah, you know else uh, that we love, though? What? We love to sing a song called... Oh, yeah, we love building nodes around here. I don't know if this fits... In the on-chain, off-chain. But I did think it was really interesting. The pre-coiners that were at Blocktoberfest. Mm. And a lot of them noticed the Podcasting 2.0 banner you had up. Indeed. And were like, oh, tell me about freedom from censorship. How are you achieving this? Yes, the censorship resistance was a really hot topic. Um, even amongst people who just walked up originally for the music and weren't even... Yeah, uh, aware that Bitcoin was going on. They were there was, just waiting on a burrito at the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> right. And it was lovely because there were several people like this that came around and they looked at our Satoshi price tags and they were like, <laughs> they like, they didn't get it, but they were laughing. They were like, I don't know, like what, it's a joke or something. Like there's a 50,000, there's a 33 million. Yeah. That was the biggest price <laughs> tag was the 33 million. On what the, is this on the symbol? Egg. What is this going on? Like, uh, 30, what is it? 33? <laughs> yeah. One guy asked me, is this $50,000 or 50,000 years old? <laughs> I was like, no, no. Satoshi's, man. Uh, Satoshi's, little pieces of Bitcoin. Little Bitcoin, brother. Uh, we always use these block parties as a way to educate and to spread the culture, right? Because it's about the new culture. It's about living the way we want to live in the future. It's about having a table with shiny rocks all over it and saying, 
Uh, this one is worth 50,000 Satoshis. This one is worth 400,000 Satoshis. This one is worth 25,000 Satoshis. This little instant stick is worth, you know, 6,000 6, Satoshis. Satoshis. All of these sats, right? It's, it's about thinking in a different way what value is and how it's, uh, how it's labeled, how it's expressed. And if you get it, then you get it, and it's delightful to see. And if you don't get it, you're forced to think about it. You're forced to say, what does that mean? What does 50,000 sats mean? And you got to figure that out, you know? It's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. We've done it twice, and I love it every time. I want to do more things like that. Like, yeah, it needs to be done more places. It needs to be done more often. And I'm glad I really pushed for this one, because... They wanted to wait a full year, and I can see both sides. So this one, uh, I think they expected a larger turnout than than happened, but uh, there were way more vendors. Uh, there was about, I want to say it was about the same size as last year as far as attendance, maybe a little bit bigger. Um, I It was not smaller. And some guys were kind of like coming up to me who were part of the... Uh, bitcoiners and they were like i don't know was that a little underwhelming and i was like i don't know like there was less transactions okay there were less purchases but there were more sats and part of that's due to a lower price so yeah. higher price points but also part of that was due to um just just bigger purchases in general the things that people bought this year were just bigger stones and we had more selection i think of bigger stones than last time too but what worked against us was two crucial factors. One was the wind factor, which was just kicking the shit out of us. Uh, one tent got absolutely destroyed. Yeah. Uh, our tent got a little damaged, but luckily it's it's good to go. And um, We have to put one patch on it. We do have to patch it once, um, but that should be fine. And, uh, you know, we took steps to secure it, which was good. But another thing working against us was the Chiefs game. Yep. And we kind of, we maybe need to plan a non-football day next next fall, I think. Definitely. If we do a fall one, which, which we should just do them twice a year. I think that we should just keep doing them. That's how it's going to grow, is just stay the course and just keep on keeping on. You know? Yeah. We, didn't someone have the Chiefs game on? Yeah, we had it, we had it playing yeah. at, the, at the event, but, so, you know. Everyone has a place they want to go to watch so, it, so. None of the Bitcoiners bowed out because they wanted to see the game because the game was there. So they could say, you know, I'll go there. I'll still watch the game. We'll watch the game with all the Bitcoiners. And uh, so that part of it was neat. I think personally, I like the the twice a year thing, but I think we should do it four times a year. Like once a quarter, once every season, you know. And in the winter, it would just have to be indoors somewhere. That would be interesting. If we did that, we would have to venue hop for sure. We would have to get a second place to do it, I think. Just for the winter, though, because that location works for summer, spring, and fall, if they're cool with having us all those times. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see about the future. But I just, yeah, I think more often, and the more you do it, the easier it gets, the better it gets, the more confident you are. Sure. And the more you get it like a routine established of how to set up, how to tear down, and yeah, all the expectations... That sort of thing. And then we get to onboard more people. Yeah. With not just Bitcoin, but value for value. Because that was one of the most interesting conversations. Is just like, hey, when you don't have corporate sponsors, when you are supported solely by your listeners, you can't be canceled. Yeah, it's like a circumvention. 
circumvention of this whole tyrannical system that's just listening, uh, waiting for you to step in shit so they can swoop in and turn you off. It's not where you want to be, man. Oh, what else happened this week in the world? So Cash App turned on lightning payments for everybody. That happened quite recently. I think technically the update was like four days ago, something like that. But now you can send and receive lightning payments. So uh, there was some limited functionality in Cash App before. I think lightning could be sent or I don't, I don't remember exactly how it works. But now it's send and receive. Uh, some of the dudes in the group are having some issues when they're using Moon Wallet specifically. But Breeze is working fine. You want to send uh, sats or you want to scan a lightning invoice from Breeze. You can pay it Cash App. You can receive it in Cash App if you send from Breeze, all that stuff. So um, I think that's going to boost adoption because so many, so many damn people have Cash App. So a lot of people just use it all the time. And so now there's a uh, fast way to send money in and out without having to rely on a bank or USD or uh, ATM situations, anything like that. I think it's only good. Regardless of what your feelings may be about Cash App, we really need the uh, the dam to break in terms of adoption. And that's only a matter of time. But things like Cash App turning on lightning payments really, I think, greases the wheels and just adds to that exponential um, potential. Oh, it's a step in the right direction. <laughs> Thank you. Sure, we can call it a step in the right direction. <laughs> oh, man, I don't think we've ever had one in the uh, shit stain section. It's a step in the right direction after all. Uh, what else? Impervious. The Impervious browser has been released on Mac and Linux, and so I have not had the chance to try it on Mac and Linux, um, because I am mostly stuck in my Windows hole between work and, uh, jerking around down here on this machine. So, uh, I don't have any kind of, uh, first-hand reports of Impervious. There's a lot of guys in the Bitcoin meetup that were excited to, uh, use it and check check it and try it out. Impervious is uh, billed as sort of the privacy browser where you have your own data instead of giving it out to other third parties. You uh, kind of keep it and control it yourself. It's this whole kind of Web5 concept that's been floated by uh, Jack Dorsey and others. Sort of a different way to go about the, the dis- decentralization. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to try to test that out. I'll probably get it on my Linux machine and test that out just to see what there is to see, just to play around with it. Another thing I tried to play around with is a new podcast player, a new, uh, podcast app, if you will, or maybe a nude podcast app. Zeus came out with, um, an app they're calling Echo, Hmm. which is a, a node based app. Um, fairly certain it's in React, in fact. And I tried to download it and get it rocking, but I ran into a problem connecting it to my node. So the way it works is it's a web-based app. It just has a GitHub right now. It's 0.0.1. It's like brand new, super alpha version, first, first, first version. Okay. Um, The instructions on the GitHub just say to download the repo, do an npm install, and then you plug in your API credentials from Podcast Index. 
So you need a, a key and a secret from Podcast Index. Sign up for an API account for free. You put that in your config, and then you launch it. You npm start, and it uses uh, um, litd to actually connect to your node. And so your node is the back end, like Lightning Wallet side, and your uh, podcast index API key is the back end for the podcast searches and playing side. And so it's it's a really cool idea. I think that uh, coming through this code is going to help me in some of the other shit that I want to get done. So I'm really excited to kind of mess around and play with it. But I'm getting some error when trying to grab my lightning terminal connection phrase. They spin up like a connection phrase for you. And when I plug it into Echo, I get some errors going on. So mm. I'm going to have to play with it. I didn't have, like, I just saw it maybe an hour, hour and a half before the show. So I I got some of it done. And the the podcast index side is not, I don't think, what's vexing me or giving me errors. Uh, it seems to be this uh, lit D connection. But uh, I'm going to work on it. I just want to say Zeus saved my ass at the... Oktoberfest. Zeus is killer. Yep, that's um, what I used the whole time. They make it very easy to connect to our home nodes when we're away from home uh, through Tor still. And I'm excited to see what Echo turns into because it's actually written in stuff that I understand and the only thing that I need to read up on is this whole uh, lightning terminal daemon that it's using to connect. So I've done some of that and like I've connected Lightning Terminal to my node, just the the terminal itself, because you can connect your node and get special insights or whatever. You know, I've played with it, but I have not been successful just on my first initial attempt here, right out of the box at Echo. So more to come on that. I'm excited to see the future of uh, Echo. I'm always jazzed to see new apps come online. So I think it's a ecosystem where a lot of Cool things can happen. I hope they get right on live tag if it if it's not already baked in. I hope that uh, it's a cool place for different mediums, not only music, which obviously I'm very interested in, but also stuff like audiobooks and and all the other medium tags that you know things like video streams, documentaries, uh, web shorts, all kinds of stuff that uh, could have medium tags. You know, all kinds of digital content has the potential. To be streamed value for value in this new way. It's true. So that's the fresh, fresh newness, man. Just dropped this week, so I'm going to get in there and get my hands dirty. Love it. That is my uh, all of the cocaine that I brought. Aw. Well, uh, for some more shit stain, the magic number was <laughs> kind of around, but it was a slow, slow magic number ding-ding week. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I saw this headline. Spain scraps 33 titles handed out by dictator Francisco Franco to family and aides. This was a Reuters story. Uh, I don't know that much about the history of Spain, but uh, Franco ruled from 1939 to 1975 after leading a military coup against the Second Republic's elected government, which resulted in a three-year civil war and the loss of 500,000 lives. Mm. So it's a little blood stain on their history. Yes. And about 14 years ago, it looks like Spain passed its first historic memory law. And this 
the reason why they took these titles away from 33 people uh, was another one of these historic memory laws entitled the Democratic Memory Law, which took effect last Friday, and it abolished the aristocratic titles handed out by Franco. Uh, The reasoning behind making these laws is, in their words, uh, it equates glorifying perpetrators of crimes against humanity with humiliating victims, in this case, Franco's victims, Mm. or everyone who died in that civil war. Um, But one of his grandchildren is still alive to this day, who inherited a lordship, and he was quoted as saying, uh, this is nonsense without any practical effects, taking away the titles. I will continue to be Lord of Miras, even if the government doesn't recognize it. So he's still lording over everyone. Yes, still lording around. <laughs> As one would, I suppose. Yeah. Once, once you get lorded, you don't unlord. Exactly. Mm. Once a lord, always a lord. Yeah, lifelong lord. That's right. Uh, This next one didn't have a 33 in the title, but it did show up in the story in a very interesting way. Okay. And I want to say thanks and shout out to Bully Steed for uh, pointing it out to me. Bully! On the socials. Uh, It was called Why Some People Are Mosquito Magnets. You are a mosquito magnet, and I am not. (laughs) It's true. Uh, so it starts off talking about a three-year study that went down with eight participants. And I guess they kind of sensed that it had something to do with uh, skin chemistry. So they made these folks wear nylon stockings on their arms and then take them off and hang them at the end of a series of tubes that they would release mosquitoes into and see which ones the mosquitoes went for. Okay. Well... Um, they de-identified all the nylon nylon stockings and gave them numbers. And the most compelling target was Subject 33. Oh, boy. Who was four times more attractive than the second most attractive study participant and a hundred times more attractive than the least appealing. Wow. Yeah. They really wanted at those nuts, huh? They sure did. So it gets into... These molecular compounds in the sebum, which is the moisturizing barrier on the skin. You um, sebum, you brought them. <laughs> there's 50 of these molecular compounds that, um, I guess, made Subject 33 the most attractive. Um, and talked about how... <laughs> it's killing me. The participants in the that the mosquitoes liked the most produced carboxylic... <laughs> carboxylic? Acids okay. at higher levels than the others. Um, and it made a unique body odor. And the mosquitoes liked it. So they did a they did another study with 56 more participants and kept the nylon stocking from Subject 33. Mm-hmm. Subject 33 was still the most alluring to the mosquitoes. So did they re-stink up Subject 33, or did they just keep those old nylons? No, they just kept the old nylons. Wow. They, and they still had the stink? Yeah, I guess so. The researchers don't know who Subject 33 was, because they just oh, put all the nylons right. in place Double and numbered blind. them. Right. Yeah. Double yep. blind. So if they don't know who Subject 33 was, how the fuck are they going to figure out like what was special about them in the... In, you know? Like, wouldn't they want to call that person and say, hey, man, like... Uh, like, are you a woman? Are you older or younger? What's you your ethnicity? pancake syrup? Uh, yeah, what's your diet like? No. Yeah. 
They were simply looking at these molecular compounds in the skin barrier, the moisturizing skin barrier. Thanks a lot, science. Now we'll never know. Yeah. I know, and it starts off talking about how they're like, there's lots of myths, like mosquitoes are more attracted to women or children, blah, blah, blah. And then they don't debunk any of those, you know, because they're just like, well, this subject number 33. (laughs) Turns out they're more attracted to pantyhose. Yeah. Turns out mosquitoes know the magic number. (laughs) <laughs> and they just want to fuck with us. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. And my final top 333 story for tonight, because like I said, kind of a slow uh, news week, was that Lane 33, Uh-oh. a Michelin-honored Mexican eatery at a Napa bowling alley, it has permanently closed. Oh, no. I know. They earned their Michelin Guide commendation just four months ago. And <laughs> the quote from it was so... So pretentious. I had to write it down. They said, skillful flavor-packed cooking with nary a risk of a gutter ball. (laughs) I've got one for you right here, Michelin. (laughs) But I thought, oh, Lane 33 is a great name. Maybe for this segment. Maybe I, instead of calling it the top 333, it's Lane 33. What if at after bowl all the lane numbers are 33? (laughs) You're on 33A, 33B. <laughs> that would be confusing when you're trying to direct people to their lane. Yes. You're on 33, and then you look around, you're like, oh, shit. Which one? <laughs> Which one indeed? But yeah, um, so the <laughs> the chef behind lane 33 said sales were going down, and they were having equipment issues in the kitchen, and that Napa Fire had come in and declared their range hood not up to code, and then shut off their natural gas line. So he was using a griddle and an electric fryer to keep the place open. Rough. Um, so he said he's not cooking right now, and he's not planning to relocate Lane 33. Is that some, like, uh, Michelin Award sabotage-level shit going on? I mean, it just feels weird. Like it you, doesn't it? You win a Michelin Award, and then all of a sudden they turn your gas off, and you kind of fucking go out of business? It's pretty strange. I don't get it. I don't either. The world may never know, but I do know I'm ready to go behind the curtain if you are. Oh, man. Because <laughs> gu- guess what? No sicky stories this week. No one was coughing into coffins. Good. And for that, we thank you. But it was a very exciting news day but. for me today because I knew this was coming. Oh, I can hear it in the corner. I can hear it right now. Hey, good old that's right. Grittany had her appeal date set for today, October 25th. Ah, yes. A show day and the 200th episode. So it was very exciting for me. When the bowls align. When the bowls align. Um, and this was a unique one because Brittany Griner did not appear in court for the hearing. They had a video set up hmm. showing her in her prison cell. Um, And this is the first time we've seen and heard her since August, the last time court happened. Uh, The judge deliberated for just 30 minutes and then gave the expected outcome, which was no such luck, no reduction in the sentence. Now you will move to a penal colony. And we'll see what happens there. You know, maybe she'll coach basketball or something. Penal. But I grabbed a clip of uh, Grittany talking, because I don't think I've had Grittany in the bowl speaking for herself. Not yet. And what she said made sense to me in the 
appeal. I don't understand the first court's decision to give one year less than the max when I've been here almost eight months and people with more severe crimes have gotten less than what I was given. Yeah, I was like, you know what? You have been there for a year. Like, can we just take a year off? (laughs) I'm not asking for the whole thing to be overturned or whatever, because you know that's not going to happen. Yes. But, you know, take that year off that she's been sitting there. But then, like, just upon re-listening to it, I realized, oh, they gave Grittany a year less than the max sentence, probably because... Max minus time served. Yeah, max minus time served. Womp, womp. Jesus. This is definitely not about the weed. No, this is about sending a message. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and the message is being sent and received loudly and clearly. Yeah, we're just not privy to whatever the message is, but the message is not don't bring empty weed pins uh, in a suitcase. No, it's certainly not that. And Something else. If you look up folks that get busted with weed in Russia, with the exception of Mark Fogel, who had his doctor's note and everything, right. and got slammed with a worse sentence than her... Most of them do get, like, less than three years. So why would a drop of derb oil in a cartridge score you nine years? Mm. Really makes you stroke your chin. Yep. Something fishy going on for war. Sure. But, yeah, also it's really painful looking at Grittany in that cell because she can't stand all the way up. She's so goddamn tall. It's like a cage. Jeez. She's, like, hunched over. <laughs> Which I I know nothing about that life. You, know? <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to hunch go a uh, hunch over going into a no play school playhouse. Man. People say watch your head, and I just walk on through. <laughs> <coughs> uh, also, interesting revelation came out this week: for the third season in a row, the NBA will not be testing players for THC. This started during COVID. I guess they just wanted to give players a break, like hey. Unless we have probable cause and some huge issue comes up, we're not going to screen you for THC. Nice. Um, But the journalist who's been following it for the past three seasons said that the permanent removal of random weed testing is likely to be a topic during the upcoming collective bargaining agreement negotiations between the league and its players association. So, uh, big if true, we'll see. Never trust a journalist. But, you know, we'll see. <laughs> you would know firsthand. Yeah. yeah. Then uh, something interesting happened on primetime. I guess primetime, I don't know. But primetime. Uh, TV. What, it's a TV? The older folks watch. <laughs> uh, the, the, cha- <laughs> the <laughs> it's not even like mainstream, but but it's like programming everyone knows about uh dr phil dr phil did an episode entitled is america high on pot where he had proponents and opponents of weed in general okay and our friend major neil franklin was on there yeah with policymaker karen o'keefe who's got a great name for being in the weed biz of course (laughs) policy making uh, there were two bud tenders that just went by first names. I thought that was kind of interesting and a little suspect, but whatever. 
On the other side of the table, we had Kevin Sabet. <laughs> of, of Sam. Of course. Same, of course. Um, an ER physician by the name of Ronnie Lev. I could see I, Dr. Phil and Kevin Sabet like regularly texting one another, just being like text buddies. I could see that too. It wouldn't surprise me because, like, multiple times, Kevin Sabet's like, you know us PhDs. Oh. Kevin Sabet is one of the biggest douches of all time, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This ER physician that was there is a woman, and I believe she was the one quoted in the article about that girl in New York having uh, getting sick after doing dabs and concentrates all the time. Yeah. Uh, Because the last name is Lev, L-E-V, and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's her. Uh, And then finally... The most powerful speaker they had on their side, in my opinion, was Laura Stack, who formed the nonprofit Johnny's Ambassadors. Uh, And her son, John, killed himself when he was 19 by jumping from a six-story of an apartment building uh, to his death and had had no THC in his system, but somehow the weed is completely blamed for this. Mm. Now, Laura Stack, I looked her up, and boy, she is an entrepreneurial shill. I mean, she's got like self-help books that have been published. She's a keynote speaker for hire, you know? I mean, like she's published a lot of books. And then she's got all these alphabet soup acronyms at the end of her name. MBA, CSP, CPAE. It just goes on and on. And so I clipped it. I clipped something that she said because... I was like, okay, uh, she was the only person on either side throughout the whole episode that Dr. Phil did not push against. I mean, he was pushing against both sides, which I was like, that's objective and fair of you to do this. Like, I think that was good. It prompted some good discussion. It made uh, prohibitionists look really dumb in a lot of ways, which was awesome, as always. Uh, But she didn't get any pushback. And I skipped over when she talks about, he was like, bring us back to that day. When you found out that John died. And that's not fair. I don't think. You yeah, know what I mean? Like emotional. I, I was crying listening yeah. to that because no one should have to bury their child. Okay. No one. But, you know, then she turns into her logic of why THC specifically should be demonized. And so here it is. It wasn't until after his death when I started writing and researching and forming our nonprofit that I really understood the potency and how what he had used had ruined his mind. And he knew it had, but I didn't know about how brain development changes, even though you can't die from an overdose because there aren't cannabinoid one receptors in your brainstem, you can absolutely overdose on it and have acute intoxication of five fold increase in psychosis, a seven-fold increase in suicidality. According to the National Institutes on Drug Abuse, cannabis use does cause suicidal thinking, suicide attempts, and sadly, suicide in my son. And when, when he died, he did not have THC in his blood, correct? No. In fact, when you use THC enough and have enough psychotic episodes. You must be sober. Many young people are misdiagnosed with things such as bipolar and schizophrenia when actually it's a cannabis-induced psychosis. And many doctors yet, and we can talk with Dr. Lav, are not yet trained to recognize it. My son was diagnosed with THC abuse 
severe. We have no mental illness in our family. We have no history of psychosis. He also did not have any medical conditions that would have warranted this. Let's blame it on the weed, everybody. Seriously. It, the first thing that came to my mind was flat out reefer madness. Yeah. I'm just like, this is reefer madness of the modern time. Because what I've heard usually is that using weed is linked to underlying issues. Specifically, schizophrenia is the one that always gets pushed out there. Right. Oh, you used weed and then it awoke your schizophrenia. Yeah, the, the most conclusions of those studies say that uh, people who are already predisposed to schizophrenia may experience the onset of it earlier if they smoke weed. And even that seems, you know, on like what, you know. On what grounds? How do you prove that? A bit shaky grounds. It's It's just a correlative thing. Yeah, exactly. Correlation, but not causation. To make it causal and to, I don't know. It confused me when she said, you know, she talked about, okay, the the cannabinoid receptor. And then THC, you know, Mm -hmm. blaming that for the induced psychosis. But she said, they can't, they have to be sober. Yeah. Which I was like, what? That's a bit weird, but I I would be very, very interested to uh, know, like, what what kind of pharmaceuticals he might have been taking. Definitely. Or any other substances. Like, they say he used weed, okay. And he's 19. Yeah. Okay. And what else is going on in his pretty, life? It's pretty early on. And, uh, you know, what... what these mental health episodes and she says they say he was diagnosed with certain mental health issues does that include prescription of other drugs and what drugs like never mentioned it never is wonder why but that is a very important question he had stopped weed and he had stopped weed long enough i think that's key he had stopped weed long enough that it wasn't in his system so that that doesn't mean that he wasn't high at the time it means he had stopped smoking weed if you smoke weed, <laughs> you could stop for a while and you will still pop. Yes. As many people know, this is the one drug that you can't just piss out in 36 hours. That's right. Stays in your fat molecules. Binds to your fats. So, I mean, that's it. If anything, that says to me that it probably wasn't the weed. Right. I'm, I just have a very hard time buying these whole permanent shift. The mental brain chemistry. Yes, the mental gymnastics, I thought, I, I tried to follow her. And it's very, you know? I, I would venture to guess it's really tough to get a full, true sampling of this sort of a thing. Because we're talking about, by the time you're high school senior, back when I was a school, the number was like 56%. 56% of uh, people have tried weed by the time they hit their senior year. Like, with, with, by the end of their senior year in high school. That's over half. Yeah. So how are you going to get a comparison going for this permanent shit? You know, you'd have to have people at all levels. You have to have people who are smoking weed chronically, uh, multiple times a day. You'd have to have your smoke weed every day, one time people. You'd have to have your occasionals. You'd have to have your tried it once people. Yeah. And then you'd have to have your total virgins. And you'd have to do an actual big sample of all of these people across probably some time to really get some insight in it, but... It just seems hard to separate out because <clears throat> so many people have used weed. Be like, imagine in doing a, a study on caffeine and, and you have two groups, one that uses caffeine and one that doesn't, but the group that doesn't just stopped for the study and so they still have their whole life. Like, how are you going to make a proper study? 
I don't know. Now, caffeine uh, use and weed use are not on the same percentage level, but you know what I'm saying? Like, how are you going to study people who haven't if they have? I don't know. Uh, it's a lot of guessing, I guess. <laughs> I suppose, you know, like yeah. estimates and guessing. But, like, I, I'm thinking back to my high school days, and plenty of people smoked weed quite regularly and did other drugs, too. And none of them have had psychotic episodes mm-hmm. that I am aware of. Um, yeah, like, I know a few suicides, but it was it seemingly accidental suicides, you know, car wrecks. and. I'm just seeing this too much THC and the THC potency scare from, like, an uncomfortable number of angles, including known allies at yes. this point. Known allies, man. Uh, everybody is on this. Well, you know, there's a lot of THC, though. It's not your granddaddy's weed. Uh, it's too strong. Stuff's too strong. So, like, so I don't by... know. I advocate for I advocate for having multiple options. Yes, and there should be low THC strains, and you can still easily procure like five and five strains. I just think um, when people where are it's talking, five percent THC, five percent CBD, and those are very mellow. But they're also medical and legal market only because they're above the hemp definition. Like, there's still THC in there. And yeah. not, not even as much as your granddaddy's weed. You know, your granddaddy's weed was getting 10 to 18. The Certainly. good shit. The good shit. I'm not talking about the brick schwagarino, too. There's the other end of the spectrum. When I was in high school, uh, there was a friend of ours who was a couple years younger, and his grandpa owned some uh, rural farmland up near the border with Iowa, right? So we went there one time because the rumor was that there was some wild weed we, all, all we knew was weed. I didn't know what the fuck hemp was when yeah. I was a senior in high school. All we knew was weed, and we had just discovered weed, and we were very excited about weed. And it was this fucking Mexican brick that we knew was weed. So we went up there because the rumor was his grandpa kept this wild weed going because the doves liked it, and he liked to dove hunt. And we go up there, and sure enough, there's just like this big patch of ditch weed. And it looks like... It's not even hemp stalks. It looks like... um. I don't know, just like really tall grass. I mean, it was like pretty generally weak stems going up and just leaves. It was just a big stem and then some leaves. It wasn't like those thicker like hemp stalks that you see that like you break and there's like really a a fuckload of fibers in them. Yeah. They were really puny, like maybe fingertip or like maybe this is as big around as a finger, Mm. you know? But at the biggest, most of them were smaller than that. We didn't know any better. We just fucking took some shears and we cut those plants at the very bottom of the stem and we picked them up off the ground we stuffed them in trash bags we took them back home. oh my gosh (laughs) not only that and these are just ditch weed plants there's no buds on them at all i didn't know what a bud was yeah but you saw the leaves (laughs) saw the leaves the leaves are pot you look at the leaf yeah that's some pot and so then we fucking put them in uh my buddy who actually took them because i didn't bring them you know to my house that never would have worked no (laughs) um one of our buddies took them and he proceeded to put them in little baggies and dry them out in front of a work light, mm. like a hot light. <laughs> so he takes weed that's already no fucking THC in there. Yeah. <laughs> and then he dries them out in front of a hot light. So they turn kind of like brown and crispy. Oof. And we smoked that weed and we were pretty stoned, at least as far as we knew. Yeah. You know? Those were back in the days where you would smoke, and the next day you had this weed hangover. And so, I don't know, there's this, there's this wild thing where this part 
there's so much to the stony experience that is subjective. Yes. That is what you want it to be or allow it to be sometimes. Like sometimes you don't really want it mm. to go a certain way. But then you like something and you decides it is doing that and then you're just there. You're sold on it. But I've found over time like weed for the most part gives me what I need it to give me. Yes. If I'm hungry. I love that. I can smoke a little bit and be less hungry. If I'm uh, not hungry and I don't feel like eating, I don't have an appetite. But you I can need smoke to. a little and then eat. Yep. Uh, so there's like opposite. That's like sometimes the opposite solution to a problem. And I don't do it by strain based either because I don't like yeah. have a fucking bunch of collections of anything I want at any given time. You know, like, exactly. You either have it or you don't. Yep. Uh, for a lot of the fucking world. So. During your story, I had said, oof, because I was picturing you guys putting all these stocks into your, all these plants into trash bags, loading them up into a vehicle, and then all I could see in my head was cherries and berries of law enforcement, <laughs> like, pulling you over, then weighing all those plants and being like, these kids had pounds and pounds of marijuana. It would have been a fucking you know? disaster. Because that's how sure. they do it, too. Like, they'll, like, <laughs> put the whole fucking pot on the scale yeah. and be like, yeah, whoa, the dirt and all, ooh, 100 pounds of plants. I... It's crazy. Shudder to think about it. Looking and yeah, back. like yeah. that's that's scary. And it was it's real. like my <laughs> first like few weeks of smoking weed. Even you know, it was like I didn't know anything about <laughs> anything other than weed did pretty cool. Yeah. Now, getting back to the high potency THC, um, a topic on Doctor Phil was the oh the concentrates, right? Yes, and oh the edibles. You know, because it's a chiba chew, you can get a little candy and it's a lot or whatever, but there's a lot of uh, restrictions well, on the edibles, but dosage and such. I also will say about the about the dabs and the edibles, a lot of people just go too far, just straight up. A lot of people that's just everything. take it too far, and that is with everything. That's with Alcohol, anything else. food. Alcohol, cheeseburgers. Yeah, cheeseburgers. <laughs> um, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Anything and everything. Uh, stunts. You know, jumping over and under and out of things, yeah. prescription, uh, yep. medication, all kinds of shit. You can overdo whatever you're uh, going to overdo. Yeah. But. And the, I th- I love having the option, you know, like the options. It's like, well, you're free not to buy dabs. You yeah. don't need to do dabs. I'm a flower girl. The, the, I think just the solution <laughs> to the problem isn't... That, Everyone wants this policy solution or legislative solution Mm-mm. or some kind of a stick that we solve this with. More prohibition of some kind. More prohibition of some kind. When really the answer is to educate people on proper dosage and upon what happens when you exceed that dosage. And for everybody to know that uh, it's not really that cool of a time to eat too many edibles for most people. Now, there's some people that just love that. Yeah, some people have a very high tolerance. Some people have a very high tolerance. Some people, there's other people who need that. Yes, patients. I've, I've met patients who... Um, like Irv. Like Irv smokes 30 joints a day, and he never seems stoned, because he's not stoned, he's just like out of pain. Yeah. He has two uh, you know, mental states, in pain and out of pain, and so when he smokes a joint, then he's out of pain, and he remains there. And it's got very little to do with being fucking stoned, inebriated, that kind of thing. Exactly. It's all physical for him. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to bring up, and you mentioned, you know, like, what SSRIs was he taking? Like, what prescriptions was he on and stuff? But also, what if this was someone prone to psychotic episodes where the weed helped? 
And then you convince yourself or someone else convinces you that the weed is bad for you. You get back on the propaganda train and you stop and then like your medicine was gone. The thing that was keeping you off the ledge. Yeah, that's something I hadn't considered. There's just so many unknown factors, you know, that um, for you to just latch on and blame the weed and blame... Uh, THC, THC specifically. THC by name. Yeah. Um, that's just, what really bugs me, because for a lot of people, the THC is the medicine. It seems agendaed. It's definitely agendaed. So it's like a too targeted of an attack. Yeah. So, and you know, that's... It's an old, it's an old argument. It's an old demonization. Yeah, but it's we're still fighting it, and I don't want to see policy or prohibition 2.0 come back and correct. just, you know, like already with the the farm bill and how it's like CBD's fucking everywhere, fifty seat legal. But just give me the plant. Like I just want the weed. You know, like I'm not trying to isolate things. I'm correct, not trying to make yeah. concentrates for myself either. I'm not I just trying to want... take my plant and spray a bunch of butane on it, and then exactly, and then go to careful links to make sure I get all the butane back out of the fucking plant that I sprayed it all over. Yeah, you know, that's just not part of my personal process. No, but if you want to do that, fuck. If you want to put the butane directly in your butt and light it on fire, <laughs> like it's a free country. You know, all of those should be <laughs> kind of. options. You know, you just are. You're, you know, stuck with the responsibility of the consequences for anything like that. Exactly. So, yeah. THC demonization back here and uh, sipid cannabis-induced psychotic disorder. Mm. Just something to watch out for because, I mean, Dr. Phil's pretty fucking mainstream and, like, boomer-oriented, right. I would say. So, I just think the that talking daytime points... daytime TV crowd, some of the scariest people on earth, really. Yeah, daytime TV. Thank you. That's the daytime TV crowd is some of the scariest people. That's what I was looking for, and I just feel like now we're gonna hear more about it. So, whatever yeah. happened to uh... cannabis use disorder, also known as CUD? That's probably the one that makes you puke. Oh, <laughs> the one that makes you puke. Yeah, I, like, I forget all of these; they all jumble together. Yeah, but the names—you'll see the same names, like that Doctor Lev. Mm -hmm. She was quoted in that one, like, "Oh, these young kids—they." Do the dabs and then they puke, <laughs> but and it's so dangerous. But if you take a hot shower, you're fine. You remember? I remember that was like the mm -hmm. remedy to the New York Times article, and the protagonist of the article was never identified, and there's been no follow up, and it could have literally been made up. Yeah, that was all pretty fishy. <laughs> I remember that. But regardless, um, our president. The dusty man, Joe Biden, is still high off of his accolades he's been receiving. Uh, for, you know, pardoning 6,500 people who don't have expunged records or anything, and no one was released from prison. Um, but he's feeling pretty good about it. And I think he's getting slightly more honest because he was talking to some young folks. Uh, uh -oh. the I believe the main topic he was supposed to focus on was student debt relief. But then, you know, uh, you get course. hyped up by the crowd and it's young people and you just uh -oh. think weed, right? So here's what he had to say this week about the weed. Uh-oh. I'm keeping my promise that no one, no one should be in jail for merely using or possessing marijuana. None. None. Put up or shut the fuck up. And the up. records which hold up people from being able to get jobs like should be totally expunged. Totally expunged. Like should you totally, can't sell man. It. 
But if it's just use, you're completely free. You can't sell it, but if it's just use, you're completely free. Wow. And this is because... Can we get that in writing? Hold on, wait. Uh, Joe! Joe, come back. Can we get that in writing? I mean, I can replay it if you want. I want it. I want it signed. But if it's just use, a little little further back. You're completely free. Totally expunged. And totally expunged. Totally expunged. Expunged. You can't sell it. (laughs) But if it's just use, you're completely free. I love that pause too. Yeah, because his campaign promise was no one behind bars for pot. Right. All together, period. He didn't realize, I guess, in federal prison is always linked to intent to distribute. Right. No one's sitting in federal prison for smoking a joint. Right. And that's that. Like, it's three strikes laws. It's got to be profitable. These guys at the federal level are running numbers, man. And there's no numbers in a guy smoking a joint. Exactly. So he's clarified his point. And... I have been seeing less and less claims that he's decriminalized the weed because obviously that is not what well, happened. Well, because people keep printing it and then uh, assholes like us will send them letters calling oh, them retards. Exactly. Because they are. Yep. And uh, maybe if you're a journalist and you're writing a story about something, you should b- 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 fucking do some research maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Now, something that bothers me too, though, is that the intent to distribute... You know, going back to that story you just shared about putting plants into trash bags. Well, fuck, you had plastic bags and plants in one place, and there was a lot of them. I'm sure that would have been intent oh, to distribute. Yeah. We would have all been nailed to the goddamn wall. Yeah, and it's just shit like that. It's like, well, it's still just a plant that we're dealing with, and there's no violence taking place. It's not even a risky plant when it's ditchweed. It doesn't do nothing. <laughs> well, it makes birds come and look at it. Yeah, but Highway Patrol doesn't know that, and the sheriffs don't know that. Even and- the ones that do don't give a shit. Yeah. They just got you. They just exactly. got you. Count me one. Now, um, the Office of National Drug Control Policy Director, Rahul Gupta, made an appearance on NPR this week. And boy, was it disappointing. The talking points that he just reiterated and like trying to really sell what Biden did for midterms, you know, just really trying to sell it and doing his damnedest. But he didn't give me a single good quote, but I uh, decided to clip it because I was like, this is so cringy, so cringy. So it's really important to follow the science and at the same time ensure that our science and evidence filters into criminal justice as well. Well, we know, and the president has as much said so, that uh, clearly there are medical potential uses of that. The fact of the matter is that while we're walking the talk as federal government, Uh there's tens of thousands of Americans that are incarcerated in state and local prisons. See, now I'm going to pause it there because walking the talk? Yeah. Doing what they say they're going to do. I mean, but fact of the matter, it's, a, it's an follow, awkward way to say it, though. Follow the science. We you got to follow the science. And, and he's being asked about asked about uh, Biden's, you know, three points that he made and how they're going to look into rescheduling maybe or like why it's schedule one. And he's clearly said already like it has medical value. So that immediately should take weed off of schedule one. Uh, but he keeps going. And it's important that we. By them, the same level of... Uh-oh. 
Sorry, my computer's mad that I paused it, I guess. Yeah, and right. you know where it stopped? 33 seconds in. It's really important to in. follow oh, the shit. science. By them, the same level of justice, the same go. level of fairness and equity that we're doing at a federal level. So say it's rescheduled to be a Schedule two drug. It would join drugs such as oxycodone, methadone, Ritalin, um, and Adderall. What would that mean for people on a practical level? Well, uh, you know, we don't want to get ahead of the FDA, HHS, as well as uh, the Attorney General's review at this point. So what I would suggest is that we let the science um, take its path and its course and make have that decision be made by the experts in that area. The fact of the matter is uh, that there uh, is research and there continues to be research across states, um, you know, red states and blue. There's an overwhelming support of Americans for uh, making sure that there's plenty of research as well as evidence behind it. Uh, So the simple fact is that you follow the research that you have. No way. And you make decisions based on the science that is available to you. Um, And and we do know that today we have more research available than we had just simply 10 years ago. So uh, it is time, as the president has asked for, to take a look at the scheduling of marijuana as a Schedule 1 drug. It's time to start thinking about looking at, uh, talking about, doing something about... What the president said. <laughs> what the president said. Oh, he said present both times instead the of president. In it. He had a very strange accent or speech impediment, whatever I'm it was. not sure, but... It, <laughs> well, it was I, one of those things. I thought so, too, and I'm glad I finally got to clip him. Finally caught him on NPR because he always just gives great quotes to the press, but he's not good at speaking. That It was painful. Yeah. I thought so. I had to get it. I had to clip it. Man, I'm telling you. All after, the talking points. After the last two years with this fucking trust the experts and let the science go where it may, and uh, we'll let the science and the experts decide, like, fuck you, fuck off. Never going to fucking happen again. Uh, you guys blew it in the biggest fucking way in front of everyone on the whole global stage. No, no, and also no. Yeah, why are people. I will make my decisions. You will fuck off. Period. End of discussion. Yeah, they say safe and effective and people start dropping like flies. Get the fuck out of here. But schedule one drug and it keeps people alive. <laughs> and gives them quality of life, too. It's, uh, it's interesting, you know? It's, uh, whatever. Whatever, whatever. Whatever, indeed. Blow uh, it out your ass, wait for the FDA, don't get in front of the retards. No, no. That's for me to decide for my life. Yeah, I also was disappointed that she, the NPR woman suggested like, well, if, you know, how about, let's talk about schedule two. I was like, we need more than schedule two. Like schedule three is like the, <laughs> you know, that's the most, uh, I don't know. It shouldn't be a controlled substance at all, <laughs> but they just want all of them. You know, they're just so like, they have different letter, let's le- levels. one number down. <laughs> yeah. They're like, this is the one that we kind of say is like sort of bad, but like, it's all right. Oh, this one's like really bad, but we can still sell it to you. And the last thing I wanted to say about Gupta's appearance here is when he said, you know, we have more studies than 10 years ago. Well, obviously, that that statement I can't argue with, but it made me so fucking mad because 10 years ago, I could point you to a study on anything you wanted to know about with weed. We have always had studies and research on weed. Maybe not coming out of America, but there's plenty of countries that have allowed weed into their hospital systems as medicine and have done plenty of research longer than us. So, ugh, 
The way he phrased it, though, he kept it true. We have more studies today than we did 10 years ago. I was like, all right, damn it, I can't argue with that, but fuck you. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) There was an op-ed published this week. Um, I saw it in The Hill. I'm not a publication. I'm not sure if it was published elsewhere. But it was from the president of the National Institute of Military Justice, who's urging the dusty man in the White House to extend the pardon to people convicted by military courts, Mm. which I thought was quite interesting. Because in the military court, getting caught for simple possession or smoking weed uh, falls under penal code Title 10. And you know what the... Penal. Yeah, you know what the punishment is? No. Court martial and discharge. Oh. So you just get fucked. Yep. It's over for you. And how about all of those people? I'm sure there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. You know, support our troops. Especially when you start looking into the PTSD and stuff, you know? Sure. Like the mental anguish of serving our country. Come or the on. recruitment crisis. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of angles you could look at it from. Yes, plenty. And the op-ed, the op-ed does go into quite a few um, situations, but it's in the show notes if you want to read it. It's a great point. Let's pardon our people. Please. The United States Court of International Trade ruled against Border Patrol once again in another paraphernalia import case. Of course, the precedent has already been established this month, as we talked about on the last bowl, episode 198, Dave DeLorean, Mm -hmm. where a Washington company was trying to import a hemp trimmer in from Canada, and it got confiscated. And then the court was like, hey, it's state legal, so they can use it. And it's actually federally legal because they were intending to use it for hemp. Now, in this case, they were importing twisted trimmers, once again trimmers, but they were intending to use it for recreationally legal pot, not hemp. Okay. But the court ruled, you know, hey, it doesn't matter. The crop doesn't matter as long as it's state-authorized. And it was legal in the state of Washington, so they're good. It's actually, the import of paraphernalia is carved out in their law. I so see. it says, it just has to be authorized by local, state, or federal law. And so... Any one of them. Hmm. Any state with legal weed is good. Border Patrol, keep your hands off of their tools. Yeah, just quit stealing shit from people. Fucking, that's so infuriating. Trimmers, man. Um, Trimming some fucking plant up. Yesterday, SSDP, The Last Prisoner Project, and DC Marijuana Justice did go to the White House to have their peaceful protest that they had planned. Gotcha. I was wondering if they would go through with it after Biden's pardon. (laughs) And I'm glad that they did because obviously... Their point in mind is that that doesn't fulfill your campaign promise of yes. getting everyone out from behind bars. And I mean, last prisoner project, it's in the name. Right. So, um, you know, they had speeches all day. They gave the data. Like, there's about 2,800 people in federal prison right now for weed convictions that aren't simple possession, but are nonviolent. Sure, they could be third strikes, or they could just be too much weight. Too much weight, or is, you had a scale on you, or a plastic bag. It was in three bags. It was in three bags instead of one. Yeah, exactly. It's like, pay no attention if they're different strains or anything, you sure. know? Like, or if you happen to be a collector. 
<laughs> yeah. That's all. A cannabis collector. Cannabis or connoisseur. If you're a patient and you know, you're you just grab a month's supply at a time. If you're yeah. a patient, you grab a month's supply at a time. There's guys out there who need a co-op a month. Yep. To keep healthy. Keep That's out of right. pain, you know? Keep functioning. Shouldn't uh, even say healthy. Exactly. But just functioning. Exactly. Functioning. At one point, they blocked the entrance to the old executive office building where I guess a lot of White House staffers work. Uh, And then they moved to the entrance of the White House itself and were not stopped. So that's cool. One college student was arrested, a girl, uh, for breaching the barrier that had been set up. But that's all. I was actually expecting a lot more than that. Mm. It's kind of, they had like a 50 foot inflatable joint, but I didn't see anyone passing actual joints. But also in DC, I mean, if it's a gift, then you're good, right? <laughs> uh, I don't really know, man. DC freaks me out. It, it freaks me out, dude. I don't like it. Every there. time I'm there, I'm just like the goodest boy <laughs> of all fucking time. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. DC freaks me out. Yeah. That's uh, all. There's eyes everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, look at the layout of the land, too, from satellite you know it's like you're stepping right into some ritualistic shapes and patterns (laughs) yeah like (laughs) yeah you're fucking driving around all day on a goddamn ouija board of some sort yeah no thank you i mean it's not like don't ever do it never it's just like stay on your toes the whole time (laughs) which can be a little you know challenging or tiring even at times yeah you might meet someone who's got their Obama shoes on. Got their Obama <laughs> shoes. Uh, rowdy crowd in D.C. He did have Always. them Obama shoes, he too. Man. And he had his Obama phone, too. They were shiny as shit. Now they're Biden phones. Anyway. Uh, the Department of Energy's administrative judge upheld the removal of a contractor's security clearance this week. And you know why? Because he popped positive for THC. Ugh. And it's very frustrating because, like, reading through his case, he's been a contractor for years and years and years. And he started having, he had a back injury and he was just seeking some pain relief. So he started using a CBD solve and it was good. But, you know, it wasn't like opiate good. Sure. It wasn't a painkiller. And his wife uses a THC topical and she was like, just use mine. And then he got a fucking random drug test. Ah, And just using a THC topical, like, I don't know if it was a transdermal patch or a solve or what, popped him positive. And he's like, dude, I'm not ingesting it. Like, I'm not getting high. I'm getting back pain relief. Yeah. But that's all it takes when you're, you know, working for feds. When you're testing it chemically, you know, either piss or hair or whatever you happen to be testing in. If if it's working, so if in other words, if it makes the pain go away, then you're also absorbing that in your fat cells. It's going to be found. Like if you're absorbing yep. it and you're getting um, positive effects, then that means it's crossing the blood-brain barrier. That means it's in your system. That means it's stored in your fat deposits. Like this is how it works. It's just such bullshit, you know. Like if it's he's total do- bullshit, if he did for his sure. job and he did his job well and he never had an issue on the job. Why Correct. is he being tested? Yeah, this whole combing through your body chemistry is very invasive. Should be considered a privacy violation. Yep. They shouldn't even be able to do that. Should just be performance-based, and that's straight up it. I agree. It's all. Did you fuck up? You're held accountable. 
Back to D.C., Mayor Bowser signed a temporary emergency legislation which allows residents to self-certify as medical patients when visiting the nation's capital without procuring a doctor's recommendation. Uh, of course, it's, you know, you have to submit a $30 non-refundable fee uh, to get 30 days of being a recognized medical patient in D.C. And, of course, your name's put on a database and all that good stuff. Um, but if you're an out-of-state patient, it increases the amount of weed you can possess from 4 ounces to 8 ounces. So, this act, because it's a temporary emergency legislation, only lasts 90 days, but it looks like there's another one coming down the chute that would last 225 days when this one expires. Oh, shoot. I don't know why they don't just pass something, uh, permanent, but whatever. DC, fucking <laughs> weird. Gotta have a reason to keep getting elected. Gotta have an emergency right around the corner. Oh, This yeah. is about to expire. True. Send $30 now. <laughs> Midterms coming up. Alabama received 607 medical weed license applications. Uh, there are 25 total available licenses. <laughs> so that's fun. 2023 is the earliest that their market is going to roll out, mm. by the way. That's a small pool, man. Yeah, that's a lot of applications to comb through, too. It is a privileged and few. You know what that means? A lot of lawsuits coming at you. <laughs> means uh, a lot of mad motherfuckers. People are going to be writing checks and buying knee pads. Yep. Yep. Usually means that. Um, in Florida, some black farmers have objected to the winner of a medical weed license. And uh, this gr was one grow license designated for a black farmer specifically. Okay. Uh, under a 2017 law, which made the license available to any person with ties to a class action litigation uh, that revolved around lending discrimination from federal officials, USDA specifically, against black farmers. Uh, the case was Pigford versus Glickman of 1999. And I did not know this, but it is the largest civil rights settlement to date, hmm. with $1.2 billion given out to 20,000 farmers. Jesus. So, if you had any ties to that settlement, you could apply for this license. And that's it. Those are the only people that could apply for this one license. Uh, and they issued it September 21st to a man who competed against 11 others. Those 11 others are pretty upset. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one that's of, imaginable. One of the applicants was an 84-year-old man, and he received the highest score of all the applicants, but he died after the application was submitted and before the license was handed out. Oof. So the department said, well, we can't award a license to a dead person, but his family lawyers say, hey, death isn't a basis for denial. Okay. Then the other lawsuits <laughs> take the route that we've heard a bajillion times before. It's a very lawyer thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, wait a second, buddy. Just because he died doesn't mean, uh, doesn't mean what the, you think it means. The word can't come to his estate. Yeah. Uh, or whatever. <laughs> You're just worried about the living man, you know? Like, uh, we're talking about a cor the corporation here. <laughs> uh, Black's he Law, motherfucker. Get on, man, <laughs> get on my dick. I know. These lawyer guys, bro. Yeah, I know. They love you. <laughs> <laughs> they're, a, uh, they're a fantastic bunch. The other lawsuits, of course, just criticized the scores that were given by a third party. 
criticize the third party for, you know, potential connections, and also criticize the process for being too complicated. Yeah, there was like a 96-year-old woman, too, that applied. I was like, oh, boy, these are... She had them backwards. probably would be complicated process. <laughs> she had her digits flipped, man. I know. It's too bad. Oh, this story was making the rounds this week. Ten Circle K's in Florida are going to start selling weed in 2023. Hey, LMAO. Yeah, you will find the Rise Express Dispensary inside there when you get your gas and grub. Now you can get your ganja, too. Wow. They're changing, huh? More like but uh, it's... more like Circle J, am I right? Hey. What am I doing, Jay? Please. Only ten, though. And there's 600 Circle K's in Florida, so... Think about that. I mean, it's just, it's a trial run. Just strategic locations then. I did not know that Circle K was a Canadian company. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know either. Maybe they should be called Circle A? A. Come on. Smoke weed every day. Now, I don't speak French. Okay. But Circle K's parent company is called Canadian Coochie tart. Shut the fuck I'm up. I'm not joking. Wow. You. I am really high. <laughs> you gotta I'll say put it, it in again. The chat. It's Canadian coochie what? Canadian coochie tart. And I just typed coochie. it into the chat. I'm just saying it like a good American. Okay. Because it's probably like couche <laughs> But it's C O U C H E dash tard. I don't know about coochie, but I do know about tard. Well, okay. Oh, wait. The tard is. Koosh tart, because I'm thinking douche. It's spelled like douche with a C. Koosh tart. Okay, Okay, I like koosh tart. I'm with koosh tart. Yes, koosh tart. Anyways, they're teaming up with Green Thumb Industries, uh, which is a big one, a big name. And they're going to be selling flour, pre-rolls, gummies, and vapes at these 10 Circle Ks. Alimentation koosh tart incorporated, or simply koosh tart. Wow. Yeah. Founded by current chairman Alain Bouchard. Couchetard Bouchard. <laughs> In French, couchetard means. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now you got me doing it. Yeah. Means the type of person who goes to bed late. Wow. Like a night owl. With, con- with connotations very similar to night owl in English. In fact, their logo is this winking owl. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. I'll, I'll be contamped. The things you learn in the bowl. I'm fascinated by this. Me too. Uh, let's get a pronunciation, uh, of Couchtard properly, uh, at 816-607-3663. Please. Now, Evanston, Illinois held a town hall this past weekend to update folks on their reparations program, because of course they launched their restorative housing program in 2019, which takes, uh, tax money from recreational sales and gives it to black residents who were, you know, ancestors of folks that lived in Evanston, Illinois, between 1919 and 1969. Uh, In the first round, 16 recipients got $25,000 each Mm. and a housing stipend for home repairs or down payments. Um, But they have committed to distribute $10 million to folks who fit the reparations bill in 10 years. You know what their problem was that they were bitching about at the town hall this week? Was that the problem? They need people to apply for the money. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can you believe that? <laughs> they, they're like, hey, you lived here? You got family that lived here? 
apply. I was like, hell yeah, I'm there. Except for I don't have anyone that lived in Evanston. And uh, But you know what we do have? I like money. Yeah, I do like money. Yeah. So um, one of the committee members said that there's a hundred localities taking steps toward the reparations model that Evanston has led with. Uh, and they've also inspired international efforts, but serious citation needed. Right. I would like to know about these cities and places internationally paying reparations from weed taxes. It's interesting to me. I just don't know about <laughs> the validity of that statement. Sure. Yeah. Color me skeptical, but open-minded. Yes. Also in Illinois, there's a new lawsuit. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. This one, uh, this has a great Land argument. Land of the lawsuits. Okay. And these are all about the licenses, of sure. course. You know? Yeah. Uh, this what else is are you going to sue over? Probably lawsuit number 33. <laughs> <laughs> and in this one, it's from a company with two sisters, one of whom is gay. And they're arguing that the application process discriminated against the LGBTQ plus community because it gave bonus points or extra points to veterans and that is discriminatory against the gay group because I guess there was a ban on gay and lesbian military service members until September 2011. Mm. So like we're going back 10 years in time to cry discrimination. Well there was like that don't ask don't tell period where it was sort of a gray area. Yeah. I mean, now won't the military literally pay for a sex change? Uh, th- Potentially. I, that's a gray area. It's a gray area. It's, I'm sorry. It seems like it. I mean, I've read stories to that effect, but yeah. I, have, uh, I haven't been in but there. Regardless, so I don't know. I don't know they say, gay. well, you needed those extra points to win, but I couldn't have been in the military because I'm gay. Sure. <laughs> okay. And I just, I was like, wow, this is a real stretch, uh, especially because... <sighs> They won this uh, group looking for the license, this potential dispensary. Mm. Uh, They won one of those like bonus lotteries that allowed them to keep arguing their case. And then this is the argument they come up with. Oh, shit. I'm just like. That's their defense. (laughs) Yeah. Gay sister, bowl sister, troll sister. Exactly. So the attorney general wants to dismiss it. uh, But if that dismissal doesn't come through. The verdict will come eh, sometime between now and March of 2023. <laughs> so, you know, hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. I also, this jogged my memory that when I was in high school in, well, you know, a, a while ago, uh, we had a group called GSA, Gay Straight Alliance. Right. And it was that simple. It wasn't like alphabet soup with a bunch of I's and A's and Q's and shit. I was like, what happened to that? GSA, gay straight, and you could be a freako and go into the gay club, you know sure. what I mean? Oh, whatever. <laughs> True Leave has issued a statement inter- in response to what they're calling false reporting about their employee's death. You may remember this because we talked about it in the bowl. OSHA came out and said this woman basically choked to death on uh, ground flower in the air. Right. Remember him? I do remember. Oh, so. I remember humming pretty hard on that one. Yeah. Truly Eve has made some statements here in this press release. Um, first, pointing out that they have an industrial air filtration system in the grinding room 
and the N95 masks are handed out to employees, uh, not paper masks, as was reported, which I'm like, eh, okay. But then the biggest part here is that she wasn't in the grinding room. She was in the pre-roll area. Ah. And she went up to a supervisor earlier in the day and was like, I'm not feeling good. And they were like, please take the day off with pay if you're not feeling good. Right. And she chose to continue working. I guess the media ran with this narrative that they forced her to keep of working. Course, yeah. And she was grinding away, you know, sure <laughs> grinding the weed and the powder that keeps floating up in the air, choking her out. Her bosses are like in there smoking cigars and like shoveling big shovels of keef right into her face as she's just like furiously working. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. This is the picture that they've painted. Um, and so anyways, she collapsed in the pre-roll area because that's where she was working. Uh, 911 was called, but also they had plenty of people. Everyone there is like safety trained. And so the people were administering CPR. They had a defibrillator or whatever it's called. And EMS arrived just a few minutes later, transported her to Bay State Hospital. And she died three days later in the hospital on January 7th. So if we're going to blame her death on anyone, <laughs> maybe we look at the hospital. Take a look. Where they didn't save her. But I don't, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to point fingers either. It's just like, wow, that is a lot of um, factual errors that were reported. And that freaks me out because it feels like an attack, you know, a political attack Course, on Truly. Yeah. Which, duh. So, it was a smear job. They also pointed out in their press release that they properly reported the incident to the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission and OSHA within 24 hours, as specified. Um, they, When she passed, they reported it to both of the organizations the next business day. And OSHA came in and did took some air quality sample tests, and they were all compliant to the standards. So, smear job. There was another article yeah, published. they got a lawsuit in that. <laughs> they sure do. There was another article published um, where a Massachusetts cannabis regulator came out and confirmed, like, yeah, we learned about the workplace death in a timely fashion, how they were supposed to report it. And the first, you know, round of reporting that came out, they were saying, like, they tried to cover it up and they didn't report it at all. Now we've got a regulator on the record who says, no, we, we knew. And, like, they did the appropriate steps of action. So this is interesting. And that was back in January, almost a whole year ago. Detroit, Michigan opened up applications and received 90 for 60 recreational licenses. That's a little more manageable. <laughs> Better but... chances here, but we're still going to have some people upset. Yeah, 33% of broken hearts. I didn't know this, but in their recreational ordinance that they've written up, they have unlimited licenses for growing and processing and are just limiting licenses for dispensaries. Okay. Okay, well, they have dispensaries, micro-businesses, and consumption lounges. So, places you can buy and smoke weed. Consumption lounges. <laughs> I know, isn't it good? I don't I like that, that term, but I also don't know what to call it. Like other hey man, you want to come consume? A place you can smoke weed, which should be everywhere, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 30 licenses are reserved for equity applicants, 50 for non-equity. Um, oh, wait, no. 30, sorry. It's just 30 going to equity applicants. And over time, 
they're doing this in three phases. So this is the first round, but there's going to be 160 licenses total. Okay. For uh, places where you can buy and smoke weed. And uh, as we've previously talked about, there are currently three lawsuits ongoing when it comes to recreational weed in Detroit. So it could all come to a crashing halt also. Next, this video came out in the Show Me State this week. Little ad campaign. Oh boy. 19 states have legalized marijuana. Now it's our turn, Missouri. A yes vote on Amendment 3 is a vote to let the police focus on serious crime and give millions in new funding to veterans health care. For our police, for our vets, vote yes on 3. And uh, For our police and vets. We have talked about how we haven't heard much pushback from police right. <laughs> on this, on uh, Legal Missouri's recreational initiative. Mm-hmm. But I found some pushback after that video came out. Now, you wouldn't know this because you didn't see it. You just heard it. Uh, but the Missouri Highway Patrol is pissed that they used B-roll of troopers oh, shit. featuring their emblem. Oh, shit. In the thing without their permission. Ah, you got to kiss the ring first. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Their statement they made on Facebag was, the patrol is aware of Legal Missouri 2022's advertisement featuring the patrol. The patrol did not give its permission for its emblem, name, or images to be used, nor was permission sought. So they sent a cease and desist letter to the campaign. Uh, And then their legal counsel came out and did the rounds. She talked to the Kansas City Star, for example, and she said that they wrote in their letter that the agency's registration of its emblem as a service mark prohibits anyone other than the owner of the service mark from using it without the patrol's consent. I didn't know that. That's good to know. You need permission (laughs) to use the patrol in your uh, ads and such. So then there was... An attorney out of Jefferson City by the name of Chuck Hatfield, who uh, may or may not have ties to the Legal Missouri campaign, who said, oh, you know, cease and desist letters don't actually require any action by the recipients. Other than ceasing and desisting. And there's no threats of legal action in the letter. And if they choose to make a threat, uh, they're going to run into some First Amendment obstacles. And I was like, that's pretty... uh, Tough talk. Bold and brazen. Yeah, exactly. Tough talk. I was like, most people... Whenever I hear about a cease and desist letter going out, people pull their shit down. And Legal Missouri is not doing that. I also noticed that I really didn't like the way the guy said Missouri in that video. (laughs) I don't know why it bothered me so much. I heard it too. Missouri? Yeah. I decided to look it up. I was like, who is that guy? Oh, it's an actor that they hired. Of course, And not just like... I've heard that voice in other commercials. Yeah, his name's John Doman, and he plays the police deputy commissioner William Rawls in HBO's The Wire. Okay, So, I mean, that's probably a good money hire right there. Sure. And I know they've made $700,000 from the medical dispensaries, but... They've raised more money than any other campaign. Missouri. (sighs) They have over half of the pool of all the states that raise money this year. Yeah. Exactly. Missouri we talked does. about that last bowl. Yeah. They have a legalization mafia, so. Yep. Yeah, because every medical dispensary in the state wants to see this passed yeah, because they get the recreational licenses. They're, they're legal cartelized already, and they just want to expand because that's what happens. That's how yeah. it works. Yep. 
politics. Woo. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio's plan to expunge weed convictions failed miserably. Unfortunately, um, the city filed paperwork to expunge convictions for every person they could find. But according to the law, it says that each of those people has to go to the court and do it themselves. So they rejected the paperwork, the court, and they added a page on the court website to walk individuals through applying for expungements. (sighs) But isn't that just so frustrating? It's like, you know, I think basically the court just didn't want to take it all on at once, you know? Yeah. Uh, It sounded like such a bullshit thing. But uh, the city of Cleveland has reached out to all the eligible applicants, which was about 4,000 people, and is hosting a clinic that they're welcome to attend, which will walk them through the expungement application process so that they can get it done and do it correctly so it's not a big thing. Um, and the city has also decided not to prosecute any more pending weed cases, misdemeanors, and 830 cases were thrown out. Wow. So at least that saves 830 people from having to do this expungement rigmarole. Yeah. Now, Forest Park, Ohio, their city council passed a decriminalization ordinance. And so you can possess 200 grams, which is like around seven ounces, I guess, uh, if you're 18 and older, at no risk of a fine or jail time. Mm. The Ohio state level, though, um, you get a $150 fine if you get caught with 100 grams and a $250 fine in 30 days in jail if you get caught with that same number, 200 grams. So they are working with the local police chief in the Forest Park area to try and do some local level expungements, too. Which is really cool. Yeah. Expungements are very good. It's the only way to do it. Yep. Oklahomans for Sensible Marijuana Laws Recreational Initiative got a special election for March 7th of 2023. Of course, they wanted to get it on the November ballot, but then they faced all those obstacles in the Supreme Court after complaints were filed and they missed the procedural deadline. So they won't get as big as a turnout, you know? Because it's a special election, but it'll probably be fine considering that they are backed by the National New Approach Pack, which is, of course, the Borg behind Legal Missouri and many other state recreational campaigns. Yeah, they have have a certain uh, system And medical campaigns, too. Weed campaigns in general. Uh, Oregon has added a human trafficking rule to licensed... Marijuana requirements. The OLCC, or Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commission, approved final rules this week that will be in effect until March 31st of 2024. And this trafficking rule says that licensees and employees have to report any suspected sex or human trafficking to law enforcement. And it also has an amnesty provision in there that makes the whistleblower immune from criminal or civil liability just for filing a report of it. And I just, it really struck me as odd. Like, is there a big um, trafficking issue with these legal weed shops? Because I hadn't heard any stories tying together, you know, sex and human trafficking to legal weed. You got me there. I'm not sure. 
Yeah. It's the first time I'm hearing of it, too. Yeah, so I'll keep my eye peeled. Just one of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cure Leaf is going to pay another $100,000 over last year's mix-up that they had, where they accidentally sold CBD wellness drops that were actually jumbo-dose THC tinctures. So, uh, 10 lawsuits settled in January. They received a $133,000 fine and a 23-day suspension, as we've previously talked about. Um, earlier this week, a wrongful death suit was settled on confidential terms, but there are two personal injury cases pending over this. And this settlement of $100,000 covers 500 people who reported buying the mislabeled drops and anyone else who can prove that they bought them, which, of course, is backed up by the state medical database or the dispensary right. purchase database. Uh, anyone else that shows up and says, hey, yeah, I bought them too and whatever, uh, will receive a payment between $150 and $200, depending on how many folks show up to file claims. I didn't know this, but Cureleaf had a labeling mishap in New York also. Whoops. So this one was in Portland, one in New York, and they are based in Massachusetts. So yeah, watch your shit, man. It's not good. Um, An absolutely horrible story came out this week, but I had to share it in the bowl because everyone's going to hear about it eventually. Anyway, probably. <clears throat> this is a uh, 30-year-old... Pennsylvania mom who's been charged with felony murder and felony child neglect after her four-year-old son died in the hospital after consuming THC gummies. Um, he died in May. The doctors report finding large amounts of THC in his system. Uh, the mom is now facing 40 years in prison, but her arraignment is set for November 1st. Um... You know, they go through the law enforcement notes. The child was in her care when he was taken to Mary Washington Hospital, then transferred to VCU Medical Center, and then put on life support and eventually taken off of life support on May 8th and died. Um, the toxicology report isn't released to the public, um, but the talking point that's been repeated over and over again is, well, if he had gotten medical attention sooner, he wouldn't have died. Um, the mother called poison control, so they have this on record, but she told poison control that he had consumed half a CBD gummy, and when law enforcement showed up at her house, they found an empty container of THC gummies, not CBD gummies, Damn. and obviously there's a big difference there. Yes. Um, but it's just like, if you're going to lie, like, why would you even make that phone call? It's a very stupid thing to do very stupid so nbc washington reported that the autopsy labeled the cause of death to be thc and i find this very difficult to believe yeah because it would be a first right The well the first pediatric death that's been associated with weed was in 2015 and it was an 11 month old child or baby not even a year old um, but the the cause of death was myocarditis. Oh, shit. And it's up for debate if the THC exacerbated things and caused the myocarditis. But ultimately, the cause of death is, you know, inflamed heart. Hmm. So now we don't have 
this autopsy released to the public. We just have NBC telling us THC is the cause of death. So I went onto the poison control website to see what the side effects of THC edibles and kids was reported as. Cause of course they have lots of scare articles and whatever. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'll start off by saying death is not one of them. Um, but they have vomiting, dizziness, difficulty walking, rapid heart rate, or heart rate, drowsiness, confusion, and breathing difficulties, along with hallucinations, low blood pressure, and, and on the opposite side of the spectrum, an abnormally slow heart rate in severe cases. So, I don't like this. I, um, you know, just, again, THC. Something stinks. Something stinks for sure. And no, no, no one should eat a jar of THC gummies. No. Like, I don't care how old you are or young you are. That is not a good situation to be in. Uh, best case scenario, you're going to feel like you're on a roller coaster while you're standing on solid ground. But uh, it's just, like, terrible. Losing a four-year-old kid and and then having THC be the listed cause of death, allegedly, or at least reporting to everyone that that's what's going on. Yeah, it, but it you, you can't, like, read the document. Right. We can't verify it for ourselves. And you think I trust NBC? No. So I suspect that's a lie. And I would like to know what the actual cause of death was. It's very terrible. Um, but, yeah. Uh, South Dakota released their ads for Initiated Measure 27 or Recreational Weed, which, of course, should have passed in 2020, but was brought to a halt by uh, Governor Christy Noem. So first I'll play the Yes on 27 clip. They're short. Two years ago, South Dakota voters approved marijuana legalization. But politicians used a legal technicality to overturn the law. We're still clogging up our courts and wasting police resources on marijuana arrests instead of focusing on real crime and seriously ill people, including veterans with PTSD and cancer patients, still face difficulty accessing medical marijuana. We can restore the will of the people, fight crime, and ease suffering by voting yes on Measure 27 simple enough uh you want to hear the prohibitionist stance and the no on 27 of course uh let me just paint the picture that there are children it's just b-roll of children in the background here oh yeah think of the children these are future drug addicts Ah! future suicide victims future victims of an impaired driver this is the future with initiated measure 27 it had legalized drugs known to cause depression and suicide drugs that put dangerous users on our roads hurting those who are most vulnerable. If we don't act now, it'd be open season on our children. Don't put their future at risk. Vote no on initiated measure 27. Drugs. Drugs. Open season on our children. It also grossed me out because I'm... Get the fuck out. They show this beautiful little girl and they're like, these are future drug addicts. I was like, fuck you. How dare you? I know my children are stronger than that. You know, like... Have some fucking faith in the future, dude. I would be livid if they showed any kid of mine with that oh, shit. Oh, I know. That's disgusting. This totally healthy, beautiful little girl. And I was like, how dare you? That really grossed me out. It's worse than just saying think of the children. They're accusing the children of, you know, being doomed. Assholes. Uh, my final story for Behind the Curtain tonight comes from Hong Kong, where 
as of last Friday, CBD is now prohibited. And it is placed what? in the same category as heroin, cocaine, and methamphetamine. Oh, if you get caught with a CBD product, or let's just say hemp at this point, any hemp products, uh, you're going to sit in prison for seven years and have to pay $127,000 in fines. Wow. So Go Hong Kong. Just let it be known, if you're a basketball player or you're traveling for any reason to Hong <laughs> Kong, check your luggage for vape cartridges, solves, gummies, anything. You don't want CBD near you in Hong Kong. No doubt. Also, don't go to Hong Kong. Yeah, don't. How about that? <laughs> that seems reasonable. That's a reasonable ask. Well, that certainly was a healthy curtain segment, man. Yep. Healthy curtain for the 200th episode. <laughs> you really did the dig. You really did the dig for 200. Alert the bowlers. We're going long on this one. We're going deep. Uh, we're going right over to a metal moment. Because uh, it wouldn't be 200 without a metal moment from our buddy, the Rev, Cyber Trucker. In the bowl and in the morning, this here is Sir Reverend Cyber Trucker and Kenny and Grogu with this week's Metal Moment. Wishing Sir Spencer and Dame Lorian a happy 200th episode, and here's to 200 more. Cheers. One of those bands that everybody seems to forget about, yet has a fantastic amount of talent, is Guar. From the music to their incredible stage shows, these guys really know how to have a good time. And coming in with one of their more overlooked songs... From the album This Toilet Earth, this is Guar, Saddam Agogo. for the two hundo hell yeah paging dr boobery i just gave him his 333rd karma oh, <laughs> oh shit yes oh man i could hear boobery out there yes he's yes. ready <laughs> he's ready as soon as the gore started he was like hey you see that guy over there i'm gonna fuck that guy <laughs> <laughs> just like that most indeed <laughs> uh i mean yes 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 thank you rev that's Sir Reverend Cyber Trucker to you. Uh, you can follow him at Rev Cyber Trucker at OGNSocial.com. 
always bringing us a metal moment, bringing that energy back and uh, just kicking ass all over the road. Seriously. Um, we, haven't get, we haven't been able to get together or hook up since we uh, first met him. We didn't know he didn't meet him just because of his wild schedule and he's always out there hauling freight. But uh, that's okay because in our world, we can still, you know, every Tuesday night hang out. That's right. We're in the cab rolling down the road with him. So cheers, Reverend Cybertrucker. And uh, thank you so much, Rev, for all the metal moments, all the awesome times, and for the good wishes on 200. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Rev. Love you, Rev. Uh, love you, Bowlers, too. I've got some messages and some signals and some uh, poikes in the in the uh, the old voicemail box. You, too, can weigh in. Uh, all you have to do is whip out your uh, Selimophone, or uh, you can even VoIP. It's just a, a number that you have to hit. It's called... It's true, we'll play it and we won't screen it. And we usually preview it in the value for value segment, but where is my mind? Where is my mind? Yeah, we were just so focused on bowler loving that we didn't uh, remind him. Yeah, we want to hear about the first time you ever stayed at a motel. Yeah, a motel. Motel. That's like uh, when hoes go mo, right? Moho. Mo. Mohotel. Because a motel is for when you're traveling, a hotel is for when you're like, Staying a while. Oh. Is that the original difference? I don't know. But maybe a bowler knows. Maybe a bowler knows. Maybe a bowler would call 816-607-3663. Or alternatively, uh, a bowler might just want to low-key uh, text something in. Yes. Uh, which this bowler did. This bowler says on the text line, love the bowl after bowl, and you seriously have the best hits ever. Wow. I... Presume they're talking to me. Did you see her breasts? <laughs> <laughs> and thank you. Well, I mean, that's a presumption, but uh, I think that's probably right. You have nice tits, too, though, but I mean, <laughs> I guess they're um, tight to you, so, you know, mm. mine flop around and are grabbable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. They feel hands overflowing. Yeah, boobs. Boobs are fun. Boobs are fun, yes. Thank you, Texter. Yeah, thanks, Texter. Boob love. Boob love. We love booby Someday I'll get some value for value boob picks out there. Booby picks. Um, here's another bowler that loves boobs, because everybody loves boobs. Howdy-ho, bowlerinos. Sir Spencer and Dane DeLorean. Oh, let's see. You know, who knows first time I stayed at a hotel. Um, I was a kid. And, you know, whatever family vacations and stuff like that. I remember it's always a treat, just, you know, something different kind of thing. So it was, uh, you know, there were nothing, it was four of us, so, you know, we just, most of the time we always uh, ended up just sharing a couple of church and you know, parents and, and the brother and I. Um, what? There were a few times, I think we got, we had times where, like, brother and I got one room, like, in one room kind of thing, but, um, kind, of, kind of interesting, though, like, now with everything online and whatnot, like, I remember it was back then, you just... You that drove by and saw the price on the outside, or you walk, had to walk in and, mm-hmm. and you know check the price and whatnot. And I just kind of pre-do, you know, do it ahead of time and whatnot. So that was interesting. Uh, first time ever I actually rented a 
like officially rented a room though was actually for our uh for our mini moon our our honeymoon oh yeah um a couple of year back is just had never really just stayed at a hotel at a hotel just myself um or when doing one of friends, somebody else had always booked it. So, yeah, but uh, not that that's relevant, but it's something. So, anyway, um, yeah. So they, yeah. it's the first, and uh, then just those little attributes that kind of carry over from childhood. And uh, my dad would always, you know, he make after everybody left, do one quick sweep, walk back in, you know, check everything, check underneath the mattresses and stuff like, or not the mattresses, but the sheets and underneath the bed and whatnot. And we were never one to pack put things in the drawers and things like that. But, uh, you know, so just double check everything and not having kids, but understandably you, you guys, you know, can re- I'm sure can relate, you know, kids put everything everywhere, you know, whatnot. So making oh, sure yeah. there's no toys in the, in the whatever, in the dress room, things like that. So, but yeah, still end up doing that. Even if, uh, we kind of know where all our belongings are, I'll, I'll still go through and we check every little thing and whatnot. So, all right. Well, that's it. Let's get in back to the bowl. So, I love you guys. Stay dangerous. And whether or not you're at a hotel or a motel or at home or in the car, wherever you're at, say it loud. Say it proud. We love you. Love you, Christopher Bells. Thanks for the ring-a-ding. Uh, yes. Went through some kind of a tunnel of interference or something. Then at one point, it kind of sounded like pots and pans in the background. It was the uh, motel interference core. Yeah. <laughs> Harfat in the chat said, uh, motel, direct doors to the outside and your motor vehicle. Hotel, a usually storied building with rooms to the open hallway and more traditional. Ah, yeah. And he said, motel is rural because you're driving a car. The hotel is inner city by train stops. Etc. And airports now. Yeah. Okay. The motel would have like a big parking lot and strips of doors, doors, doors. And then the hotel would more be like the elevators in the courtyard and you're inside the whole time. Yeah. Indoor pools I and such. It. Yeah, that makes sense. I liked what you said too, where you're just like, motel, you're driving by. Hotel, you're staying in a place for a while. Yeah, that could be a piece. Uh, the crash you heard of pins uh, colliding was... C-Dubs hitting us with that 20202 out of Boost CLI. Woo! Thank you. Thanks, C-Dubs. C-Dubs said, episode 200. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Episode 200. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Cool. Fuck yeah. You remember the first, uh, what was it, the time that you ever stayed at a motel? Well, <laughs> uh, if we're going by motel is a place with doors on the outside where you just like, Oh, you know, you just open the door and you can see the parking lot. Maybe there are two levels or whatever. And I guess the first time would have been in New Hampshire when every summer I would go up there with my great-grandparents, my nana and my papa, to Storyland in Santa's Village. Yeah. This is my summer thing to do. And uh, that's what we stayed in was motels, but I didn't think of them as motels uh, because they were so nice. You know, like they had ice machines and the rooms were clean and whatever. The first thing that had come to my mind was when I was driving to Massachusetts with you on one of our road trips. Mm. And we just drove, it was the first time. 
we road trip together and we just drove until we could drive no longer and we're like what's the cheapest place we can find yeah. and we saw a sign that was like $49 or something and we're like yep sounds good and we went there and there was just a bunch of people drinking and yelling and arguing in the parking lot all fucking night and I could barely sleep because I thought someone was going to bang our door down like there were just horrible noises and so many angry people <laughs> And the walls are paper thin, and it was gross. <laughs> yep, that's that was my other experience. But I was with you, so it was still a good time. <laughs> but I was Sounds also like, like don't Some... don't let them know how scared I am because like being scared time. is lame. <laughs> Never let them see a sweat. And I'll, I'll, oh yeah, there's our original bowl after bowl. Uh, I knew they were down here. Somewhere. Things, cards. Wow, those are nice too. Oh, these are your cards. Also, they have your information on the back. That's hilarious. Yeah, that was a bit of a detour, huh? Yeah, for real. But do you remember that? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, you remember I remember. Staying in a motel yeah, with me? Maybe. You probably weren't scared at all. Nah, I was just sleepy when <laughs> I slept. Yeah, lucky. Damn hyper vigilance. Yeah, yeah, not the best to have in a uh, motel. Yeah, because it's just like every. I'm one of those like every little sound gets noted in my brain and then in a motel area with the outdoors being right there and then the walls being paper thin there's a lot more than just little sounds one of the first times i ever remember staying at a uh i don't know if it was mo or ho it was like a hybrid thing because there was definitely that outer door situation but there was an inner courtyard also so Mm. it was one of those rooms where you backed your car right up to the parking spot right outside the door yep but then the room itself had a sliding glass back door with this indoor like pool and hard carpeted room and arcade and thing. Wow. Yeah. That connected all of the rooms. It's like an inside courtyard thing. That seems like a very Midwestern thing. Hmm. I think this place was in Iowa. And uh, it's like a, I just caused some super stress for my parents because, um, you know, we we did the pool thing, and then we did a little bit of arcade, and then we came back in the room. Or my parents had ordered pizza, and the pizza had what I called little Barbie chairs, but it's just the little, like, three-legged thing in the middle they put so that the box doesn't, you know... Yeah. Squinch down on the cheese. A little plastic thing. Yeah. A little plas- plastic doodad. Called them, uh, I called them Barbie chairs for whatever <laughs> the hell reason. They don't yeah. look like chairs, really, in retrospect. But eh, I can see it. When I was a kid, it was a Barbie chair. And, uh... So I was playing with these Barbie chairs, and then I found like a tube of super glue, and I just all I did was open the lid with my mouth. Um, oh boy, I didn't really actually get any glue on me or anywhere or whatever, but I had this tube of glue. I think I got it on the carpet or somewhere else. And my parents were freaking out, and they were like, "Did you eat it? Did you eat it?" Because I spit out this uh, super glue lid. And I was, like, scared and locked up, so I, like, didn't respond. I oh. just, like, kind of froze up, you know? Yeah. So they thought I glued my mouth shut. Oh, my gosh. And eventually I was like, no, I'm fine, or whatever. Yeah. And they were quite relieved. And then there was something about, like, there was a pile of change on the table. And later that night, I was just dorking with the quarters. Uh, I had one in my mouth. Oh, boy. And then for whatever reason, like, I fell back or something happened, and I... Choked on the quarter, oh and I get Heimlicked into the into the sink. 
or my sister might have choked on the corner. One of us two. I don't know. It was <laughs> so incredibly young. I was probably like four years old, three years old. Something oh like my god! So it's all very hazy. But I remember super glue mouth shut. I now that I'm recalling it, I think it was Tate that choked on the quarter the same night. Yeah, she was always attracted to the coins on the table stuff, and she chokes a lot. <laughs> Maybe. Well, actually, you know, she literally few... will tell her friends that she's like. Well, yeah. If you know me, you got to know the Heimlich. Yeah, exactly. We go to a restaurant. Be ready, because I'm going to choke on something. <laughs> she's like throwing herself on a chair in front of me before, you know, because she's choking, but everyone thinks she's laughing. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. Wow, that's a very stressful. Yeah, it's yeah, stressful for parents. Night. Stressful night. First time in a motel. See, my mot- motel with Nana and Papa was very uneventful, because I got two old fogies and me, a goody-goody. Two of fogies and a rule follower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this next caller doesn't follow no damn rules. Grind it up, pack it up, smoke it up. Woo! 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 200 episodes of the bowl after the bowl. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Freaking fantabulous. Thank you. Laren, at work. Uh, yeah. Good times, y'all. Good times. I'm glad I stumbled into you a couple years ago after an episode of No Agenda on the No Agenda stream one day. Uh, Kudos to Ben Rose on that. So uh, I I freaking love it. Y'all are just so open and comfortable and casual just talking about what's happening in your personal lives, everything going on. It's a, a fabulous product to have because of that great information and uh, when it comes to what's happening out there in the Bitcoin land as well as the uh, various states and their not-so-good, sometimes-good marijuana policies coming up yeah. and then the funny-ass headlines. So just wanted to congratulate you guys on that. And, uh Yeah. Thought words, coherent sentence. <laughs> Never mind. I need to go get a beer get that before beer. I leave work for the night. So, uh, as Fred Durst once sang, phone bold and bold and bold and what? Phone bold and bold and bold and keep on bowling, y'all. Peace. Much love, Laren. Out. Much love, Laren. Yeah, I love you, Laren. Got to get you to uh, meet up here in Missouri. No doubt. Good old Uranus, Missouri. <laughs> I've always wanted to visit uh, Louisiana too. Yeah, I know we've we've. And if I made the trip, there's a few places I would hit, uh, but one would a hundred percent be Abita. Yeah, without a doubt. Definitely. Another would be that uh, Tall Oak Manor, or whatever that That's hell what it's called. I was called. just picturing in my brain in Red Dead mm-hmm. Redemption. The, yeah. Uh, the, that the gang that, like uh, stays there for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the uh, the the Braithwaite uh, plantation oh, or something yeah. like that. I burnt down the tobacco field. <laughs> yeah. Killed that lady. They <laughs> killed that poor woman. Uh, oh, she wasn't poor. <laughs> she was barely a woman. <laughs> God, what a monster. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. That game was something else. That was a great game. They like play cribbage in that one cutscene, and you're Yo. like, oh, fuck, we're going to play cribbage? And then it's just like, and nah, they're, they're just doing it in a cutscene. They're just talking about it. It's like, yeah. 
Bitch, I want to play Cribbage. But after playing Dominoes, you're like, come on. Right, come yeah. On, we're going to play Dominoes. We're not going to play Cribbage, dog. Yeah, what, what gives? What's up with that? And you can play the knife through the finger game. How fast can you go? <laughs> mm, it would take a lot of programming to do Cribbage, right? But mm. it could be done. It should be done. I mean, The Witcher did Gwent. Oh, uh, yes. That was, uh, that was a card game. It's a little bit convoluted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The counting part just makes it uh, programmatically taxing, I think. Mm. Or maybe not even programmatically, but the UX of it all, you know? Like how you're going to count all of your cards. Or you do an auto count of your hand, which is a little bit lame. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Cribbish, it's great. It's and the great. bowlers are great. And and thanks for thanks for the calls. Yes, thank you, texts, bowlers. And uh, texts, lovely bowlers. Next week, we are talking about a new first time I ever topic. And hopefully we can... Pick one that excites some more people. Yeah. Uh, I really have my eye on uh, a few of these. Okay. Including. I have some to add. Oh, okay. Um, that were just put in the bowl chat. I'm kind of nervous because the bottom line says F-tie, but then there's nothing written next to it, so. Uh-oh, you missed something. Makes me feel like I was going to write something there well, and then I missed it. last week, um, the we, one that I remember being suggested was Haunted House. F-tie Haunted House. I believe we've done that already. Uh, it will be All Saints Day. Yes. The day after Halloween. Just point, I'm just stating. Yeah. Well, the two suggestions I got in the chat tonight okay. was the first time I ever pulled a prank. Ooh, I like that one. Which goes, uh, you know, trick or treat. Sure. And then it my uh, also suggested was egged or TP'd something. Okay. Is that. Uh, Which is kind of like. Could like be a sub prank, right? That's yeah, egging and TPing. Are I think pranks. if you just yeah, do pull the prank, it leaves a wide open. Sure. Uh, and then first time I ever choked on something. <laughs> okay. Um, but let's see, haunted house. Sorry, we couldn't find anything for that. Maybe we haven't done first time I ever. I don't remember doing haunted house. Haunted house. Um, haunted house. Uh, made an Eskimo bro, and uh, got fired. That's a pretty good one. That is a good one. But All Saints Day. I've, and Halloween, the, you know, day before. On the moon day. Yeah, I think went to a haunted house would be the obvious call, right? Yeah, I think so. First time you ever went to a haunted house. Yeah, in order for us to uh, hear your story, you've got to call 816-607-3663 and uh, slip it right into the voicemail box. Yes, just slip it in. Slip it in. Ooh, slips it in. Ooh. Uh, so, what do you say? Well, he's just one thing. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Yeah, let's go bowling. Let's go. I'm ready. A Massachusetts woman was charged with sending a bee swarm on deputies oh. who showed up at a big eviction that took place. Based. Yeah, the Springfield woman's 55 years old and faces multiple assault and battery charges now, but she pled not guilty and was released without bail. She was protesting wrongful eviction with others, but the homeowner had brought evidence of bankruptcy uh, to the court the next day, or of bankruptcy stay. I'm not sure what the stay means. I don't speak legalese very well. So, uh... Means they put it on hold or pause this, pause the bankruptcy or whatever. Yeah, the the homeowner thinks everything should have stopped then, you know, protests and such. Um, but no, 
So deputies show up to make sure all these people leave peacefully and whatever. And this woman pulls up in an SUV, hops out wearing a beekeeper suit, uh, <laughs> grabs some beehives out of the back, and starts shaking the shit out of them. Oh, God. And breaks the cover off of one. And hundreds of bees come swarming out, and they sting the first deputy they see. So um, she was handcuffed, but, you know, the bees were already out and pissed off. So multiple sheriff's department employees ended up getting stung, three of which were allergic to bee stings, and one of those people had to be hospitalized, but is okay. Had they not been okay, there would be even more charges. It usually works. It oh, yeah. usually works. <laughs> um, the swift-footed lizard was named Massachusetts State Dinosaur this past week. Okay. Yeah, this is official under legislation signed into law by Governor Baker. Wow. Uh, you guys didn't have a state dinosaur before? No. I, I guess only like 12 states have a state dinosaur. Do we got a dinosaur? I felt like we did. I think Missouri has a dinosaur. But yeah, it was a big ceremony at the Museum of Science in Boston, which, have you been to the Museum of Science in Boston? No, no actually, I can't. Now that we have kids, we'll go. Yes. Yeah, the, we got a state dinosaur. I knew we did. Yeah. Because we're based and we know what's going on. What's a, what's the Missouri state dinosaur? Uh, it's one of those ones you can't pronounce. It's like a... Oh, like Hypsabema missouriensis? That's exactly it. Yeah. Well, M- Massachusetts state dinosaur is the... Podocosaurus holyokensis. Oh, <laughs> uh, holyoke dinosaur. But, yeah, the swift-footed lizard of Holyoke. Okay. Discovered in 1910 by a Mount Holyoke college professor by the name of Mignon Talbot, who was the first woman to find, discover, name, and describe a dinosaur. Fucking dinos, kid. Yeah. Out in Holyoke. So the Podocosaurus, I don't know how to say it, but I like that pronunciation. Uh, it was three to six feet long, weighed 90 pounds, and could run nine to 12 miles per hour. I don't know how they figure out how fast it could run, but that's cool. Um, <laughs> there was Science, a, dog. It's science. Trust the experts. Uh, there was a state representative by the name of Jack Lewis who put a campaign together during the scamdemic as a project for the Cub Scout den that he leads. Okay. Uh, the goal was to get people involved in science and to teach them about the legislative process. So he thought, hey, a bunch of other states have official dinosaurs. Massachusetts doesn't. What gives? So they uh, picked out two or three dinosaurs that were discovered in Massachusetts and put them to a vote of the people on social media. And 60% of the 35,000 people who participated Wanted the Podocosaurus Holyokensis. <laughs> or the swift-footed lizard of Holyoke. So yeah, way to go, Massachusetts. Solid. You got one now. Uh, and speaking of dinosaurs, this story crossed my path this week. Uh-oh. There is a velociraptor, triceratops, a blue brontosaurus, a little guy on the roof, and the big guy. A Tyrannosaurus Rex, almost the size of the one-story home. And we started with one dinosaur, and now we have 62, and it's taking on a life of its own. The dinosaur man is Steve Springer. 
time, Rex. How are you? A retired sixth and seventh grade English teacher. I taught going. school around the corner for 30 years, and I wanted, I missed the kids so much, I wanted to do something that would put a smile on their face and make their day better. So I thought, I'm going to create a park that's one of a kind in the world, and you can come do whenever you want to, it won't cost you anything. Most of his guests are local, <laughs> but thanks to internet fame, some come from around the world. I mean, we had somebody the other day call from Japan. Can we make a reservation? No, just. When you're in Vegas, just pop on over. And, and when visiting the Dino Man in his Dino Land, no one leaves empty-handed. This is our dinosaur buried treasure wall. Every visitor, adult and child, gets to pick a dinosaur egg from the wall. The number inside corresponds with the prize. He does take donations, but the vast majority of all of this is paid for out of his pocket because of the kindness in his heart. I'll keep going as long as I can physically do it. Yeah. God, I hate the fucking TV journalists. Oh, I know. Me too. They can't comprehend love. Most of it comes out of his pocket because of the kindness in his heart. What the fuck? Why do you have to say it that way? Because that woman hatched from an egg herself. Oh my God. It's just so fucking stupid. It is stupid. You're the only fucking type of people that talk that way. They're not people. Quit They're doing lizards. that shit. It's creepy as fuck. <laughs> C-Dubs caught me. This is an ad. <laughs> if I'm ever in Henderson, Nevada, I want to check that guy's place out <laughs> for sure. Uh, Harfat says she was just reading, I think. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't do broadcast journalism. So I don't know. I, I wasn't taught to read that way. You have to talk like you're speaking. To a retard. On the shitter. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. The cadence just doesn't make any sense to me. But, yeah. I don't know. Dude seems um, lonely and cool. You know? Like, that's a cool way to uh, keep the community coming over to visit and be around kids and make kids have a good time. Whatever. He has his place all decked out for Halloween, though, so there were, like, decapitated heads and shit hanging around the dinosaurs. I don't like that kind That's of stuff. That's a little bit goofy. I was like, that. Scary Halloween decorations are can be too much for me when it comes to gore. Yeah. But the dinosaurs are fucking cool. These dino statues in Nevada, you know? Goo, like, goo, 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 goo. That guy had a oh, weird voice he kept on doing. With- he, was, he had a... a Hand puppet. Oh boy! So it was the hand. Yes, I know. <laughs> oh, it's too many red flags for me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hi, I'm Rex. <laughs> Whatever he said. Well, the voice hypnotizes old people. See, Dubzetta, he might be onto <laughs> something. Yeah, it's very strange to me. Kind of like this next story where a thousand Stafford High School students, in, that's in Virginia, are sick after there was an illness that uh, broke out in the school, I guess. One thousand fucking students and several staff members called out with flu-like symptoms accompanied by stomach pain. So I was like, ugh, food poisoning maybe? I don't know. But the principal wrote a letter to parents and staff Explaining that there's something really bad going on, some kind of illness outbreak, and now the local health department has come in to investigate and try and identify the root cause of illness, but the school's going to stay open. They have canceled athletics and extracurriculars, though. Yeah, what's the point? So what's the point? Exactly. I'm like, that extracurriculars, you're like, 
out, or especially sports, you're outside, probably. Yeah. Like, what the hell? School's open, but you can't have fun. No. Ugh. Government schools. Or exercise in any way. Yeah. <laughs> um, five tourists were stuck 200 feet underground after the elevator broke at the Grand Canyon Caverns. Oof. Yeah. That's 21 stories down. Now, what really confused me is that it says there's an emergency staircase that leads out, but the tourists were unable to climb stairs. So now I'm like, (laughs) are they in a wheelchair? Are they very old? Are they sick and dying? Like, why can't you climb stairs? People who don't identify as stair climbers. (laughs) Uh, Well, lucky for them... There is a hotel and restaurant inside the Grand Canyon Caverns. So they were put up and fed for free. Uh, Crews sent a generator down, but then it turned out it wasn't a power issue with the elevator. It's something worse that's wrong with it. So Mm. um, they ended up, just yesterday, I believe, pulling up all the tourists uh, through the elevator shaft with a rope. (laughs) <laughs> Which I'm like, fuck that, okay. I'm using the stairs, dude. <laughs> like, uh, None of them required medical treatment, though. I'm going to so. identify as not being able to walk up some stairs. Uh, what are you know, doing? If, if there's a hotel in the cave with the, the restaurant. Thing. Yeah. Free vacation. Just put you up in there. We just got to find out from uh, our buddies, the elevator guys, uh, how to fuck the elevator up for a couple nights. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a brilliant plan. Here we go. Nobody okay, go wrong. Nobody will know since we mentioned it on the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, all, maybe all the bowlers will be down there with us. So they're just in on the plan. There you go. We'll uh, just all get fat suits. And go to- <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if I'm pregnant with like kid number eight, I don't need a fat suit. <laughs> I sound, it's horrible. We have like three steps upstairs. I'm going, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I'm also carrying baskets of laundry, so I'm not just trying to do the stairs. In the city of Prosser, Washington, um, a house was told to take down their Karen-themed Halloween display <laughs> after community backlash. Yeah. Wow, way to prove their point, you fucking retards. Seriously, that's what I thought. Uh, so there's a picture of the scarecrow in a scarf and a t-shirt, and the t-shirt says, can I speak to the manager? Uh, what disturbed me was that they used a Momo mask, and that Momo shit freaks me out, and then a straw hat on top. What's the Momo? Uh, just look up Momo. M-O-M-O. Okay. It was like a one of those like chain letter kind of things that went around for a while. Yeah, oh, there you go. okay. Yeah, I don't like that shit. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, it's just some fucking Jim Henson shit going on. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah you know? it's just that. Yep, yep, just that. All right. Anyways. <laughs> so. I got banishment way stronger than fucking needed for that little thing. But okay. Okay, you're talking to the girl that's afraid of Juwan and the Grudge. So it like falls into the same visual category for me and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, residents. Of course, ended up complaining to the city about this Karen, Scarecrow, don't even know who Momo is, uh, and it was taken down, and 
forced to withdraw its entry into the historic downtown Prosser decorating contest. Mm. All this just made me so mad. You know, like I've seen some really grotesque Halloween decorations in rural Missouri. Sure. You know, where they have like, it looks like someone's head is under a lawnmower and there's blood everywhere and shit like that. Like, just really <laughs> gross. And you know what I do? If I don't like what I'm seeing, I don't look. Yeah. I look walk the on. other way. Yeah, I just walk on. It's supposed to be scary. Yeah, it's Halloween. And like, I just move on. Because <laughs> it's like, wow. So someone went to great lengths to decorate that and come up with that idea. Mm-hmm. And I love creativity, but it's not my cup of tea. Anyways. Uh, city officials said it was inconsistent with the spirit of the competition, which is such a cop-out bullshit line. And the funniest part is that at the end of this article, they say, well, there's a group of folks who are opposing an upcoming $16.8 million bond to replace City Hall in the police station, and they claim that the display was aimed directly at one of their leaders. So it's like, okay... And? (laughs) Karen. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, uh, city officials denied the link, but didn't specify the approval process for the display, which I'm like, it's your, someone's yard? Like, there should be no approval process for putting up a decoration. This is America. Yeah. Come on. Washington, lest ye not forget, (laughs) you're still in this great United States. This is America, you dumb son of a bitch, okay? Yeah, and a very American story came out of Oakland this week, where, (laughs) I know that's very surprising, but (laughs) uh, this ramen shop just opened up, and the workers were all dressed up as Power Rangers, and this lady came running into the restaurant saying that she wasn't safe, and some guy was following her, and then the guy came in, put her in a chokehold, and all these waiters, waitresses, and manager dressed like the Power Rangers jumped into action, dragged his ass out of the kitchen, out of the you know restaurant, hid the woman in the kitchen so that she was away and safe from him in the sewer. Oh, I'm thinking Ninja Turtles. God damn it! No, yeah, we're talking Power Rangers. Here. Power Rangers, you just said. And um, yeah, you know. The guy was like, fuck, I'm outnumbered, so he left, and they thought they were good, but then he showed back up and he brought a friend. With so, putties? Yeah. The Power Rangers had to go out on the street, lock the restaurant door, tell the patrons, hey guys, you're like, you're just going to have to wait till the cops get here and deal Megazord. with this guy. Duh. Yeah, they called the uh, cops instead. <laughs> but they held that guy down, kicked his ass until the cops got there. And I guess they were all dressed up to uh, advertise some cocktails they've come up with that were inspired by the Power Rangers. <laughs> so Oh, okay. It just worked out. Uh-huh. But that's America. You know, you don't take no shit. Very American. Okay. You gonna fuck with someone in our restaurant? I don't think so. No. Also, the Power Rangers are great. I love Power Rangers. I saw them all as Power Rangers swarming in my mind. And it, for some reason, when you said jumped into action, I saw the turtles. <laughs> 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 they just started going. Uh, oh. Their costumes were hilarious. Oh my god! On all sides of that, Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles. Those yeah, I used to have some little. Uh, the nineties were so fun. Red Jason gloves, and they had like this little buttons in them. Yeah, you could activate sounds like. Oh, nice! As you were throwing your fists around. That's pretty cool. And if you hit the uh, wrist, it'd be like beep boop beep beep dee, or whatever the little song is. Nice. Like the Summon Megazord song. 
I loved the Power Rangers, but I think I only had like two action figures. And they were the yellow and pink creatures. So because, you know, I guess that's what you do when you have a girl. You're like, oh, you like the Power Rangers. Well, there's the girl ranger. Oh, well. There was, was two so girl cool. rangers, man. Yeah, the girls with pink and yellow. Pink and yellow. Yeah. Uh, and the black dude was the black ranger. And, and the yellow ranger was the Asian girl. Yeah. Yeah. Simpler times. And the red ranger was the leader and the blue ranger was the nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Things just made sense. Hey, what about the Green Ranger? Was he the stoner friend? He was like the bad boy that turned good boy. Yeah. The bad good boy. Yeah. The rebel. Yeah. Ah, uh, well, this person was a- Rita made the Green Ranger. Oh. Yeah. To fight the Power Rangers at first. But he turned good and joined them. Yeah. Wow. He, he, got, his ca- he got his ass kicked by the uh, Power Rangers, and then he had that, like, gold breastplate thing that Rita yeah. used to control him and- they like broke oh. that, and then he was like, came back to his senses and joined forces with the Power Rangers. Dope. And they got his Dragon Zord to join Megazord, so like they could just kick more Rita ass, basically. In the end. What was up with the dude in the sand? You remember that shit? <laughs> Wasn't there like a face in the sand? Oh, was there was like, like a face a... guy that. Uh, yeah. He's like the hologram guy. Who's yeah. Like the give you the missions guy. Yeah. I can't remember his name. But why was he sand? <laughs> I didn't think he was sand. I think he was a hologram. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I don't remember him being sand. Uh, it's been a while. I'm going to have to make our kids watch the original. The Green old Ranger Power is the best one. Now he's a Power Rangers expert. <laughs> hey, come on, man. I just saw the turtles. We're way behind the curtain at this point. It's fucking almost one in the morning here in Fever Region 7. Oh, anyways. <laughs> um, not a cool rebel. But in Austin, Teos, <laughs> in a condo community, a 12-foot skeleton was stolen out of someone's front yard by a bitch who couldn't even fit it into her car. <laughs> God. <laughs> the owner, like, did not want to come forward or anything, and they just... <laughs> So the the HOA president released their security camera footage for them and oh, was like, "Oh, if you get this HOA. twelve foot skeleton back to our neighbor, we'll give you fifty bucks." And um, uh, they didn't file a police report. You know, they're like, eh, "It's just a decoration." I like, guess. yeah, they'd rather just not fuck with it. They saw the bitch stop <laughs> near a Goodwill to better secure the skeleton because <laughs> it was literally. Hanging out the back of her SUV. I mean, it's 12 feet, you know? And she didn't have any ropes or anything. She was not prepared. She just saw the skeleton and was she like, just, me want. <laughs> the skeleton will hug my car while I drive away. Surely. Yeah. Or she had one hand on its arm or some shit. I don't know. Um, but anyways, the homeowner got kind of lucky because the creator of these 12-foot skeletons, a man by the name of Lance Allen... Uh, reached out and was like, hey, I'll ship you a replacement. Oh. So how dope is that? Lance. Now he's the guy. Yeah. These homeowners, they just didn't want any trouble, man. That's all. Yeah. Your condo community, you know. HOA's like, uh, listen, we're going to offer a reward. Yeah. Nah. Also, there was another story out of Austin this week where a skeleton that was zip-tied to a rocking chair on someone's front porch was stolen by a thief. And they were like, man, we zip-tied the skeleton to the rocking chair so that no one would steal it. But the thief took the rocking chair and everything. So they did 
file a police report and are offering a $250 reward if someone finds the thief with the skeleton and rocking chair. I'm guessing they're more concerned about getting their rocking chair back. But then again, I don't know. Zip tied the skeleton, so maybe it was a valuable skeleton. Don't know. And my final story for the lanes tonight uh, comes from UC Berkeley, where their auto lab developed a new robotic method of folding called speed folding. And this automaton that they have with two arms broke the robot folding speed record. And yeah, I'm talking about folding clothes. Oh, shit. Yeah, we're like one step closer to Rosie the Robot now. Uh, you know, it takes like two minutes on each garment, and the garment, uh, can be in like, it seems like it can pick it up pretty much from any position it's been laid down in, which is cool. Like me. Um, but it takes, you know, in an hour, that's getting like 30 to 40 pieces of clothes done, so this is nowhere near my folding skills. Sure. Uh, the previous record, however, was... Three to six FPH, or folds per hour. Jeez. So we've gone from six pieces of clothes to potentially 40. Well, that's a dramatic improvement. Yes. And so the team is presenting their new development at an international conference on intelligent robots and systems in Kyoto next week. Hmm. So good for them. And you know what? Just like... Whenever Rosie the Robot's ready, I'm ready. As long as she's not hooked up to fucking Amazon or something, you know. Like, just do work. You don't need to be smart. Just fold clothes. It's not even... Clean dishes. It's not even smart. It's just phoning home. It's just, you know... Don't know. Yeah. No, this is home and this is it for you. It's just collecting data to send it back to a database somewhere else. No microphones, no voice. That's the whole Internet of Things thing. It's not smart. It's not a smart device to have intelligence. It's just phoning home over and over again. I know, but I don't want something that does that. I want a simple appliance. Correct, yes. That folds uh, my clothes. I'm in agreement. And does the dishes for me. Wash, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like rinses them off and shit. <laughs> Dishwashers yeah. these days. Psh. Dish sprayers. Dish sprayers, yeah, exactly. I spray the dishes and then it sprays the dishes. And then we're at some semblance of clean. I'm sick of your fucking smoke. Totally sick of it, man. Oh, I'll never be sick of the smoke in this bowl. Hey. Bowl after bowl till he's sick. Well, we'll never be sick of the bowlers either. Thank you so much for hanging out, making 200 a special one. Uh, We really swung for the fences. I'm looking at uh, almost four hours. We're closing in on the four-hour mark, so we got to get the hell out of here. Yeah. We have brought it. All the way. But thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, We will be back next Tuesday night. Same time. Same place. Right around 9 Central after DHN Plug wraps up. They will be back next week as well. Uh, But, you know that I will remain Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. And I will always be Dame DeLorean. And until next time, may your bowls burn ever brighter.
the support of human beings. Beings. What? He's maybe he can play guitar by the firelight. That guy's fucking right. It's true. I'm gonna come. The most beautiful young people you've ever seen. Dame DeLorean. Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. Spencer. Lauren Rose. I think it's Lorene. May your bowls burn ever brighter. Bowlafterbowl.com. Bowlafterbowl.com.